Hi, this is Mark Meir, the voice of Commander Shepard, and you're tuned in to the Enter Chatsman podcast, my favorite podcast on the Citadel. Chatsman and Phoenix, let the conversations begin. To the Normandy. Hey, what's going on, everyone? Enter Chazman here, and I'd like to welcome you back to another episode of the Enter Chazman podcast, where, as always, this is your place to hear about all of the major video game news and other media news that has kind of uh, caught the attention of me and my buddy Phoenix throughout the week. Um, as always, feel free to check out some of the audio podcast locations. Do check out video highlights that I post throughout the week to make it easier for you guys. And, of course, we would love to respond to any interaction or engagement from you guys. So feel free to comment and uh, do all the social media stuff. Um, so here's my buddy Phoenix. He's out of the basement. What's up, Phoenix? How you been? Oh, I've been all right. Been all right. Uh, now this was actually a good week. You uh, took me out of the basement on a little field trip, and you um, you treated me to a movie. That was nice. So you know, it's been Ooh. a good week. Been a good week. But now I'm back in the basement, nice and damp. So yep, movie theaters are That's still around. I was surprised to see it's still there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. If you guys don't know, I actually used to be a manager at a movie theater, and that movie theater, Regal, assistant just, uh, manager, assistant to just, the regional manager, to the regional manager. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then uh, they just uh, posted for what bankruptcy. So now it's like. It felt weird kind of walking in yeah. after they announced bankruptcy to watch see a movie. I saw another updated article about that today where I guess they are they're saying, Oh, we're filing, but you know, we're still gonna stay up and running up to and through the bankruptcy, but I can't think of many big companies that have filed for that yeah. bankruptcy chapter and then continued for very long. I think taking advantage of chapter 11 yeah that's what stuff it is they always say like that's what circuit city did the when it first went under uh so i don't know movies have been going out for a while they'll become a niche thing unfortunately well mm-hmm. fortunately for i don't know it's it's a hard thing i definitely understand why people don't go to the theater as much as they used to i think covid yeah. kind of spurred everybody you know to basically make their own home theater realize that's far more convenient and far cheaper in the long run so i was comforting a buddy who still worked there with that ideal i'm like oh well good thing is is uh theater chains always get bought out by somebody else but it's like who's gonna buy it that, out like an- okay, so another movie company would usually buy they, out a but space they, like they probably that. wouldn't keep the same staff so it's like definitely uh, wouldn't do that but even then like i don't think the market is really good for that right now like i know amc is doing okay-ish i think primarily just because uh what was it like last year their stock was kind of like a pseudo meme stock when the GameStop thing was going on yeah. so i think mm-hmm. that kept them afloat but i don't think they're gonna turn around and buy oh was it is it cinemark is that the owner of regal or something like that i think so yeah, yeah some of the european chain they I'm, bought them out when i worked there years ago i think most of them are just trying to stay you know afloat at this point so big purchases like that probably not much of a thing but i don't know mm-hmm. if you're a movie fan better see your last few movies now because a couple of years they might be a little harder to come by i'm gonna be real disappointed if this movie we saw is the last movie <laughs> i saw in a movie theater yeah. we gotta we'll get to that we gotta, yeah we gotta go back and and uh watch that watch that movie out of our mouths <laughs> but uh just a quick tease for some of the topics we have for today me and phoenix each have a game we both played uh this week um, then our, heading into our major topics, we have one lightning round where we have two two little rounds, uh, two topics put in there Phoenix decided to do. And then we're going to talk about the Embracer group and some more of their embracingness of uh, some other company. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, and then, uh, yep, we'll talk about our movie that we watched, and then we're going to go into season three of The Boys. I finally am am caught up to the masses. I'm, 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 I'm ready for season four. Now I can start talking about that. All right, so uh, me and Phoenix this week got to each play a game. Uh, I guess I'll go straight into my game first, seeing as how you, uh, I started a mine just before you. But I finally got to play the Kitty Cat Simulator game Stray that everyone had been talking about a week or two prior. And I will say for me, my feelings are not that strong for this game. I saw some people... I, I don't know if people were memeing or joking, because I saw a lot of people kind of saying, Stray game of the year you know people were like putting it above elden ring that mm -hmm. kind of became a joke for a bit i'm assuming that was a joke because i didn't necessarily walk away thinking this was a bad game but it's it's to me it was just very niche i don't really necessarily know who this game was tailored for i i think in my opinion what they were going for was cat lovers because it's it's not necessarily deep on the plot. It's not necessarily deep on the gameplay. So for me, it's just like people who love cats and want to have a semi-realistic, you know, take on a mm. cat, even though I don't necessarily think that's even realistic for cats. I'm uh, it, For me, I'm just kind of like lukewarm on it. I, it has some like sci-fi elements, but it never goes too deep on them. The, pl the platforming isn't necessarily super deep. The combat is not necessarily super deep. It's just kind of a cutesy cat game. If yeah. that's what you're looking for, you know, then have at it. Oh, no. Get out of here, commercial. <laughs> but, um, yeah, like, it, it, it just didn't do a heck of a whole lot for me. Um, The game kind of takes place in this, like, uh, futuristic sci-fi world where humans are all dead and all there is remaining is just some cats uh, that's the thing though is like finishing this game you kind of walk away with like okay but what else is there like you kind of uh help some robots and you your whole goal is to escape out of this dome mm -hmm. where there's like this encased society where clearly things have gone wrong there's some uh there's some like alien it's like fungus like, alien thing right fungus thing that somehow may have been the downfall of humans but you're not sure i think my, that that uh, that is my biggest problem with the game is ultimately when you finish it you still aren't quite positive as to what has caused the downfall of humans where did they where did they go why did mm. they die off where did this race come from is this I mean, one of those games that like maybe there's more lore stuff kind of hidden throughout and you just overlooked it because yeah, I mean, because the, the, um, they have like little segments as you go throughout the game. You can uh, there's like memory things that you unlock. Mm -hmm. um, it's kind of sprinkled throughout, and I feel like I got like sixty, maybe seventy percent of those. Okay, but I, I mean, maybe there, yeah, maybe there's some something that explains explains it. But uh, I mean, I haven't I played know. it, so I have no idea. I think I watched like one. Like, there's a thing that says "Remember" oh, okay, on yeah, screen. I see that. That kind of, those little things kind of open up some sort of narrative that mm. kind of just, the robot like talks to you, of which the robot, from what I understood, was like a, a human who had moved his consciousness from his body into, it's really, I don't know, I, I, I didn't really get who this game was for, which is kind of sad, you know? Right. It was yeah. a fun game. Oh, sorry, good. No, no, go ahead. No, I was just going to say it's a fun game. 
It's but it's again the biggest question for me for the game was who exactly was this for? I don't know. I got you. Yeah, I mean I don't have much in the way of experience with the game. I I was never really just by watching the initial trailers turned on to it too much. Um, like for, I'm kind of the same boat. Like besides it being a cat game, what else is really you know unique to this game that makes it worth playing? Like replace the cat with any other character um and it's just what looked like an okay platformer um which i'm not saying that's a bad thing just um didn't overly appeal to me i do think i watched one lore video when i was kind of browsing through youtube um and it seemed like they had some interesting things to say i said i apparently sure. it may not come across um when you played it um but i know people were like theory crafting that all the robots are actually their human consciousness uh consciousnesses is that way you say that all kind mm -hmm. of um you know, we're slotted the into the robots, yeah, and mm -hmm. they've just all forgotten that they were even human because they've been that way for so long. Which I mean, that's yeah, that's an interesting you know narrative beat. I mean, I, I don't know how much they really expound upon it. I mean, you said the game's only five hours, so I'm imagining it's not anything overly in depth. But no, yeah, it's just the game had it throughout the entire experience. It all builds upon like, um, it all leads up to you wanting to like get to the outside world and see what's going on. Is there mm -hmm. anything happening? And then at the end of the game it kind of just farts in your face and you get to sit there and because you get outside and then it's like you it gets outside and you i don't want to ruin it the total spoiler but yeah you just it, it's just kind of nothing this isn't gonna be a returnal situation right where you hate the ending and i send you a video in like two days and like oh if the, the ending was amazing i was wrong oh well what the, I, I think everyone kinda, <laughs> uh, I don't know. No, I don't think it's that. Okay. I just, I think even an eight, I didn't even just, not just noticed that. IGN gave it a great mm. night. I think everybody was just very hyped on this being a cat game. Like, I don't know, you know the internet. Um, so I think, you know, just it appealed broadly to that cutesy nature and probably felt more different than it actually was. As I said, I didn't play it. So this is completely just superficial, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. bystander, but every piece of gameplay I've watched, I did watch, you know, some let's plays of it, not like full playthroughs, but you know, I watched some of yours and so a couple other streamers and it all just looked like standard, you know, navigate around our environment. You jump on some stuff. You do a few mm -hmm. cat interactions with knocking crap over, which, you know, okay, that's a cat, but that's basically the whole game. It's very basic combat, very basic puzzling. There's some platforming. That's mainly what the game is. There's a lot of platforming sections and some easy puzzles. It's yeah. a, yeah, it. I didn't really get much out of it. I mean, luckily for the game, it's sub five hours, so it's mm -hmm. like if that game. If it honestly, if it would have went on much longer, then it would have made that disappointing ending even worse. So I'm. I, I don't know. No, no hate to this development studio. It's. It was a fun game. Again, I would suggest it for anyone who loves cats and wants some cutesy sections between cats and robots. And I don't know. That was all I got out of it. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. All right, that's all I had. <laughs> all right. Oh, I forgot I had a new background for our segment. Uh, there it is. I know you can't see it yet, but I got a new background for our What You Playing section with a bunch of game controllers and whoa, you know, because we know what we're doing. So I'll turn it on for my yeah. segment because my segment's better anyway. <laughs> everyone loves that segment title, so make make it as large as this possible on screen. What You Playing. Uh, all right, so the game I played was Roller Drome. Um, not Roller Drone, Roller Drome. It took me a little bit to catch that. Um, and I remember when I first heard about this game, it was back, I think it one of more recent Sony state of plays or indie showcase or something like that. And initially I saw it and I was like, okay, whatever. Um, and that's kind of where my attitude sat on it till, um, 
which video was i think it was it was a skill up review i'm sure <laughs> which uh, something about tony hawk and dome or a doom and do yeah like here's the thing like i i like a lot of skill ups videos i'm not that i necessarily agree with every um review point that he says i've definitely disagreed with him before but um i found at least um a majority of the time there's some least similar rationale for why he likes games so i typically take his um review suggestions <clears throat> i'm sorry as something that um is more than likely going to appeal to me in some way, shape, or form. So when he was going through his review, he mentioned this was the most Tony Hawk game he's played since Tony Hawk, which I love Tony Hawk, so that was kind of the first big um, check for me. And then he said it was mixed with, like, Doom 2016, which I figured that would be something that probably appeal more to you than anything, but that seemed like a pretty <clears throat> seemed like a pretty powerful combination of uh, genres. And I'm like, you know what? It's like a $20 game right now. Um I know if you go on Steam, it's twenty bucks, and if you have PS Plus, it's twenty bucks. So um, definitely a good I think price. It's, it's a thirty dollar game. It just yeah it's standard put on or yeah standard thirty, but right now it's on sale. Which um, I'm gonna recommend if you are interested in this game. Thirty is not a bad price, but get it for the twenty. Like it's um, I think it's probably worth the twenty dollars. The thirty I think is really gonna depend on what you're looking for out of this game. It kind of looks very much like. Um... Uh, what was that game on the OG Xbox and Dreamcast? Uh, you're thinking of Jet Set Radio. Jet Set Radio. It's so not like game. Jet Set. Like the somewhat cel-shaded uh, aesthetic, I think, is what attributes to that, but it really doesn't play anything like Jet Set. Yeah. Um, I don't know. So I, I'm trying to think of the best way to kind of phrase this. So his rationale... From what I'm seeing, is, it looks very kind of basic. Like, it looks fun, but... I mean, it's more complex than you think. Like, um, I don't, cause I don't want to downplay this. Let me say what I like about it. Um, mm -hmm. it, uh, is definitely when you figure out the systems, it's a fun, basically dance of kind of have you move around, select the right weapon, attack certain enemies. Every uh, enemy has to be taken out a certain way. And basically you have to figure out the best way to approach each enemy. Like your goal would be to, when you go up to an enemy, you want to kill it like first try. Mm -hmm. But the problem is if you don't plan out your, your, um, your pass right or however you want to phrase it um it's hard to do that not every enemy can be taken down with a single pass if you don't use the right combination of environmental hazards or gun types or whatnot so there's a lot of very last minute or quick uh, second decision making that's taking place throughout that and when everything kind of clicks together and you're able to kind of flow through the game and choose the right um weapon hit the right point jump across the right whatever that does feel really good. And I think that's what Skillup was trying to get at when he was like, this feels like a Tony Hawk game because uh, I think most, maybe not most people, but I know his rationale for attributing, attributing this to Tony Hawk was it's like coming up with that perfect line. Like you're going through the game and you're, you know, hitting each, um, what do you want to call it, each trick or each um, trick obstacle and everything just connects together and flows to make this perfect seamless kind of uh, run or interaction. And you kind of get that from this game. So I definitely understand his... Um, uh, perspective on it for me though like this game actually has a high level of challenge like it's not a easy game by any means like i said making those quick second decisions and trying to figure out what to do and this game gets crazy hectic towards some of the later sections you got like six different enemy types and tanks and stuff flying at you and sometimes you're just jumping around for your life trying to stay alive and i found that during those moments i wasn't enjoying myself as much it felt too tense but um for me when i think of tony hawk it's not just that uh, making of the perfect line where it's like connect this trick to this trick to this trick. Maybe it's because the time I played it. But for me, Tony Hawk was this very kind of casual Zen like experience, if that makes sense. Like kind of chilling out, listening to some, you know, 90s, early 2000s, you know, pop punk and whatnot. And then just 
casually jumping around off buildings, making these lines and whatnot. So the, the casual aspect of it is, I think, what I was missing from it. This game adds just this this difficulty level that makes you tense throughout the whole thing. So, I mean, sure, when you find that perfect line, everything clicks and you're on a good run, yeah, I guess I feel that Tony Hawkness to it. But other than that, I just, just kind of was kind of stressed <laughs> through certain um, levels of it. Um, I didn't have a terribly difficult time getting through the game. I beat the main campaign. I started the new game plus just kind of get taste for it. But I don't know the difficulty, if anything has turned me off to it. Like, I don't feel like I'm going to come back to this and play it from a casual standpoint. Um, and if that's what you're looking for out of this game, like you're expecting this to be like a casual pick up and play Tony Hawk session. Mm -hmm. I don't know if everybody's going to get that. It's a solid game. I think maybe I just, my expectations got gauged differently after watching that review. I was expecting more Tony Hawk. And I feel like I got more, I don't even want to say I got more Doom, because besides the very aggressive combat, I'm not sure if I would really attribute this straight to Doom. Um, I don't know. You mentioned it. Does it seem heavy on the narrative, or is it no, pretty, it's, pretty simple? There is a narrative. It's one of those, like, after you get past so many levels, it's got a segment where you walk through certain environmental sections, and you mm -hmm. pick up little story items. Honestly, it's kind of like Returnal in that way. Like, you know, you'd have the house sections periodically where you could go through and there'd be very little story you could be given there, or you could take time and look at all the little uh, papers and books that are floating around and you know, glean little uh, lore and pieces of information from stuff. And that's what this game is like. Less so, it doesn't have a huge narrative by any means, but there's some interesting stuff there about basically, you know, corporations running this blood sport and like the uh, politics behind it. And I don't know, kind of, it was interesting, but definitely not the sticking point for this game. So, I mean, Sorry, I was looking looking up this dev developer, and I was I, they have a they have a handful of games, but nothing really notable. I mean, I, I see Ollie Ollie mm -hmm. and Ollie Ollie World; those are the only ones I feel like I've heard of, which I yeah. believe those were like skating games too mm -hmm. of some yeah. sort. Uh, I know they were really well regarded. And here's the thing: like this is a good game, like from a gameplay perspective and for what you play it as. This is, they set out to make a game, and this turned out being exactly what I'm sure they were wanting to make. It is challenging, and that is not a bad thing by any means. It wasn't, I think, why I was... I want to say it wasn't what I was expecting, because I was informed this was a challenging game, but my tone of the game was not set accurately. I was thinking Tony Hawk, and that's not what I got out of this, which is perfectly fine. But this game played really well. Like, once you learn the systems, it does play well. I didn't run into any, like, glitches or bugs or anything. The art style actually, I think, looks better when you play it in motion than it probably does inside of the trailers. Um, like, the trailers, I know, it probably just looks like, you know, another cell shaded game. But when you're playing the game, honestly, it helps you kind of parse all the information on the screen, being able to, you know, very clearly and um, distinguishably seeing, like, how enemies are contrasting from the background, what weapons they're using. Like, uh, the aesthetic does play very well into the gameplay. So, good game. Um, I think maybe if the soundtrack was a little better, I would have liked it. It's kind of like a... Oh, man, I'm trying to recall. It's got a little techno-y kind of alternative beat, but it kind of just lulls into the background. I, think maybe I feel if... like with a game like this, a soundtrack is pretty important. It's like, not uh... bad. Um, it just didn't stand out to me. Like, I can't recall any, like, at least for me, any major tracks that stood out. I'm sure somebody who's played this game is yelling at me saying, no, track mm -hmm. five on World 3 was amazing. But um, I don't know. I, I'm, I feel like I should be more positive on this game than I am. But I think I just really set myself with the wrong tone, uh, wrong expectations going into it, which didn't sour me. Like whoever this is lands a lot of these. Oh, tricks. that's the thing. You cannot fall. You land uh. everything, which I'll tell you that. I mean, that seems odd, but this game honestly is not about the tricks. 
the tricks are just kind of there. Like, you could go through the entire game and do no tricks. It's it's a combat game. That's really what this is. And I think that's, once again, what kind of threw me off. Like, I knew there was combat in it, but I was expecting more Tony Hawk than Doom. And I got more Doom than Tony Hawk. I think is where my gauge is kind of thrown off here a little bit. My scale leaned the wrong direction. Um, but, yeah, you can't uh, bail on any of the tricks. You land everything. Um, but it's really about just figuring out how to move around to kill the enemies in the most efficient way. That's the game. And even then, like, the trick system is not as complex as something like Tony Hawk. Like, it's similar in some ways, but, um, I don't know. You're not going to be pulling off nearly as many interesting uh, combos and tricks as you would in a Tony Hawk game, which is fine. But... It is it is priced budget-wise as well, so it's... And know, that's something like, especially yeah. if you get it now during this $20 period... This is a great game for $20. And honestly, it's probably a great game for $30. If, as long as you know what you're getting into, you're going to have fun with this game. But I, for me, this didn't hit the Tony Hawk button. I like. It, I think it did for some of the other reviewers. I mean, if it does for you, great. I mean, people play games for different reasons. Maybe some people want to play Tony Hawk for, you know, that perfect line, high skill level kind of deal. That's never been me with Tony Hawk. I mean, I'm decent at Tony Hawk. My goal is to just chill out, listen to music, skate around to town, do some cool tricks, and that's about it. So, I don't know. Yeah. I'll leave it at that. I'm not even going to give this a score or anything, because honestly, I think um, it wouldn't do the game justice. Like, my score is going to be based on my feelings, I think, if I say anything right mm -hmm. now. But from a technical standpoint, this is a solid game, so I am going to recommend it. Just know what you're getting into. Yeah. And I will retort, I'm not necessarily... I wasn't necessarily made any more or less interested. I, I feel like this is one I'm kind of good on like i think it looks fun there is a trial uh, on the i think if you have ps premium i think it's only a premium tier or something it's one of the higher ps plus tiers there is mm -hmm. like a two or three hour trial i would recommend it so while you've got the uh, subscription download it try it out for out you'll know if you like this game after an hour or so um if you don't like it after that first hour or two you're gonna know if you want to put it down honestly i don't think i spent a whole lot of time getting through the game maybe maybe five hours to get through the campaign it wasn't that difficult and there aren't that many levels there's like 11 or 12 so it's not a huge game either fair enough all right guys so we're going to move on to our first major topic which technically is going to be two little rapid fire topics right uh, oh is this lightning uh, round back back. Are you ready lightning round yeah, all right, yeah like my lightning background lightning background Ooh, there you go. all right so um topic so, numero uno uh just uh prep this since this is a new it's a new segment we got a new thing going on uh we have a timer now because Chaz mm. always makes these things run way way too long <laughs> so um there's two topics here each one we're going to give five minutes uh Chaz I guess you can kind of set up the topic and then once you feel like mm. you've uh summarized what it's about I'll click the timer you can have two and a half minutes off two and a half minutes and then we're done then we're moving on I don't care how much you have to say we're done that's fine that works that uh, works with me. Uh, I don't think I, these first two, I don't have a heck of a whole lot. You I just say think this kind of every week. I tell you, just about every topic, like, oh, I have like nothing to say about that. And then 45 minutes later, we're still chatting about it. So That's five gonna minutes, five years minutes. down the line, someone's going to put a compilation of, uh, of every time I say, this is going to take that long. Oh, I'm hopefully, sure. hopefully that one hopefully. fan you have. That one fan. Yeah. It'll be me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so as for our first major topic, I'm going to, we're going to talk about, uh, I don't know if you guys saw, but Disney and Marvel announced that they are officially having their own video game showcase at the D12 uh, conference that they do every year. So uh, I've honestly never watched any of the D12 stuff. Uh, I guess right off the bat, have you ever tuned into whatever they do there? 
Uh, I, I don't watch them live. I watch. It was a D twenty three, I think. What is it? Uh, D twenty three. I don't know why yeah, I said D twenty three. But uh, yeah. So basically, they're it's their avenue to talk about games that they're going to be releasing. Um, I'm I, I kind of I was kind of curious as to uh, right off the bat, like, is this like a good or bad thing for any E three style events? I I don't necessarily think that's going to have any effect on those. I don't know. I'm going to start it's your timer. Like Here a, we go. Okay, five minutes starting oh, now. There we go. Oh. Sorry. Oh, no, uh, I don't necessarily think this is going to affect... I mean, I, I, they don't really have that many games. I hate to say it. I, I, there's nothing crazy as of late. I've, I, I mean, maybe... More than you think. Because um, here's the thing. Party like, Guardians of the Galaxy in years past probably would show up to something like this. And they have, I mean, If we're talking about things in development, they have several Star Wars titles. They have several Marvel mm -hmm. titles. Like, And they, uh, well, they have that Disney... Oh, I don't know the name of it. It's like Disney Sim something well, yeah right off the bat i'll i have a little list here of known games that are coming to release i've got marvel midnight suns which as we i don't know if you know but that got game delayed. recently got yeah. pushed back so that's pushed back the one you're thinking about is called dreamlight valley mm. which is a it's like a sims or animal crossing like game uh then we got a company named skydance studios with their unannounced marvel game that they have not put a name on yet We've got Knights of the Old Republic remake, which just got delayed as well. And then we have the announced Wolverine game that yet has had a like an official title and an official date. I think I just so, saw that um, Knights of the Old Republic remake too. Some article popped up a moment ago. Mm -hmm. um, said like their developers been switched. They and, switched. Yeah, yeah, I saw that. That game may not be coming out. But anyways. Yeah, so I don't know. I mean, I'm trying to think. I don't even know what to like really add. It's kind of neat. I'm not necessarily all that intrigued by it because I haven't tuned into the D23 stuff before anyway. So I don't know if this is quite interesting I enough feel... to draw me in. I don't know. I mean, here's the thing I'm more curious about. Um, So I know they're going to talk some Star Wars stuff. Um, I'm curious how many of the like PlayStation Insomniac Marvel games, if any, they'll discuss here. Because you have the Wolverine game, which I'm pretty sure that was also done by insomniac unless i'm really missing the boat um and then you have the spider-man games um or spider-man 2 in the questions too here. i mean I that would be the biggest profile thing i'd be curious to see if they put anything about but i don't know if they will like sony for those big major ips usually like to keep those kind of close to the chest and have some of their own control over when they show it and whatnot so mm -hmm. i'm not sure if they're looking at it as this is not the best place to be sony centric kind of thing is because you know it's a more generalized disney presentation but i don't know those are the games i most care to see i know there's also what the star wars jedi fallen order 2 whatever that was called it's a different mm -hmm. name uh like jedi survivor or something but i'll be curious to see because i know most of the people that show up to the d23 are mainly looking for like well, I don't want to say mainly, but it feels like a lot of it is the Star Wars, like, movies, TV show people. Yeah. I feel like those are the things that always get the most hubbub at this event, so... Well, I haven't watched many in the past. I feel like they've also done, you know, some MCU stuff. Like, Disney is such a big company now, they can throw whatever they want to in here. So, I mean, it's a large enough event that has enough, you know, um, franchises to discuss. I don't think that's ever been the issue. I think just thinking of them as a... I think of thinking of Disney as a game company now to have games to show is... Maybe an odder perspective to look at them as, but they honestly have their hands in several major games now between their Star Wars uh, IPs and the Marvel ones, so I don't know. 
well, they need to uh, need to prioritize putting out <laughs> good good ones. I mean, what I'm trying to think what good. I mean, I know a lot of people are hyped for what is it? I don't even know what it's called now. Um, Jedi Fallen. What is it? I thought it was like, like Jedi... Jedi Survivor or something. Survivor. There you um... go. I know that's kind of in the in the in the you know waiting in the background. I don't know. I would I still like. Think it is a date. Yeah, oh, I don't think it does either. Um, neither does I think this uh, Spider-Man or Wolverine. Um, I honestly, out of all that, I'd want to see the Wolverine game. I'm very curious how they're going to set up that game. Like the last, yeah. the last Wolverine game I played that I enjoyed. Do you remember uh, X-Men Origins? Terrible movie, mm-hmm. but the game was pretty good. The game was great. Yeah, yeah. 360. Like I can't imagine they're going to go that route where they have like you know just level-based you know, you know story missions. So what would you want out of a Wolverine game? And there's 40 seconds left, by the way. Uh, what I want out of a Wolverine game, mm-hmm. I guess, like you said, a, a good a good comparison would be more of something like Dra- or, uh, Wolverine Origins. You'd want more like, like that, though, like the story more missions, like, more brutal. Well, just in terms of like thematically, like more brutal stuff. Like that game was pretty bad. Like you would dismantle people and. But I, I guess know, I'm thinking I more know. story structure. Should it, in your opinion, oh, uh, should it lean from... like Guardians of the Galaxy style game, or should it lean like Spider-Man game where it's open world kind of stuff? 10 seconds. Oh, man. I would say probably probably Spider-Man is really? what I would rather see. Yeah. Okay. Uh, that's the timer right there. Um, just, I, I would think Guardians. I don't think really? Wolverine's going to translate well to open world. But that could be Fair wrong. Enough. All right. That was it. That was topic number one. I, I don't care I what you have to say. One more, no, one more no. Thing on there. All right, fine. One Ultimate more. Alliance remake or some sort of Ultimate Alliance sequel. We just had three. Oh. Like, not that long ago. Oh, I forgot about that game. Oh, wow. I never got to play it. I gotta go get that so I can it play it. It was just fine. I don't know. I don't think any of them has been as good as the first one. But either way, five Ooh. minutes is over. We're moving on. I'm resetting the timer. All right. Go <laughs> See, ahead and he's, set he's up doing, He's two. doing a much better job than me uh, of pushing on. I'm too nice. I'm too nice. Mm-hmm. Okay. So our second rapid fire little topic here is we're going to... Uh, recently in... Uh, there were... Rep- Let's see. Oh, the Sony PC launcher. So recently, and what was it? I'm trying to remember. Oh, recently in the recently released PC version of Spider-Man, mm-hmm. uh, re- it's, uh, reports of references have been found. Files have been found in the game. Uh, kind of just referencing to some sort of PC, uh, Sony PC launcher. Um, I don't know. I don't know how... how how exactly do people find stuff like that? That feels like that's a question more for you. Digging to the like, code, like just when. Into the code? Yeah, um, when I guess I'll start. Why do people go now. through that for modding and stuff? Uh, could be that. Um, a lot of them also want a data mine to find. Like, here's the thing: when when you have a game like that that has all these systems built in, usually they have some stuff built in for like future content and future stuff. So by going and digging through the code and the assets and all of that, you usually find little clues and hints towards maybe like upcoming DLC or stuff like this. Uh, there's a launcher that's going to be tied to it. Like they usually a game if it has any you know future you know updates or whatnot usually there's little trails of it if you kind of dig into the data for it so that's probably what happened you had a data miner go through this i like used to find all the destiny stuff they would dig through the newest update pull the data apart and see references to new weapons and whatnot so same thing here yeah and basically it it makes a heck of a whole lot of sense sony uh moving in this sort of direction it kind of feels like every major company is trying to do it's you know the whole like walled garden type thing of uh making you have to go through them yeah. or 
you they know, don't want to give to... Steam money. I mean, yeah. that's a, that's how Microsoft was too. But I think that's an interesting comparison. So, and Epic, yeah. Um, but I think that's interesting because, like, so Sony um, is clearly wanting to get on their platform so they can have control over you know all the profits. Um, but Microsoft really tried hard for that with um, most of their PC games. They wanted it all to be on the Microsoft Store. Windows? Oh, you're Windows? going back way, the games for Windows. But even recently, they've wanted most of their games on the Windows Store. And we've just now started seeing Microsoft bring stuff over to Steam. Like Halo. Isn't mm -hmm. Halo on Steam? I believe so, yeah. Yeah. If I'm wrong, I'm going to be bashing a comment from your one fan. But um, <laughs> I find it kind of interesting. They're now taking kind of the opposite approach of Sony. Like they started with their own kind of in-house um, launcher. And they're like, ah, forget this. We're going to go ahead and reach the broader market and hit Steam. Like Steam's going to have more users. Um, although I personally don't find a big deal to have multiple PC launchers. I mean, it's an inconvenience, but there's no cost associated with it to me. So I don't care if I have to click on you know, the Epic app or the Steam app or the Microsoft app. Um, so, but even with that, a lot of gamers do care about that. They don't want to have five different launchers. They want to have one, preferably, or two. And sometimes they will, you know, stand on their pride and not download other launchers. So, uh, Steam is the biggest user base for a reason. A lot of people want to stay there. So. Could it be that just Microsoft is, rather than, they're less interested in getting that direct profit up front from having that, you know, walled garden, and they're more interested in just, like, maintaining a strong relationship with companies like steam and epic and the, you know i don't think it's that you don't think no. it's that i think and also too, I in their best all... interest is in their best interest though to mm. maintain a strong i mean you know mm. i think that's that could be debatable i think probably their plan i haven't looked at all the games that they've released on steam but like with halo they've had a set up halo differently halo is not a game that you you know you buy once and you're done with it it's technically for them a microtransaction live service kind of game so, yeah, they may not get as much off the initial profit, like if they let Steam go ahead and sell it, but they will still make a lot of money off that long term for people continually using it. So for a game like that, I think their major goal is to expand the player base, right? So putting on Steam is ultimately of benefit. Now, will they do that for the next Gears of War if it's not set up with like, you know, a micro microtransaction, you know, um, season pass kind of thing? Maybe not. I don't think Microsoft has all of their games on Steam. It's just been a you know select few. And based pretty much uh, this um, discovery kind of follows shortly behind a report of a similar finding indicating that Sony could be preparing to let PC gamers link PlayStation Network accounts to its games with in-game bonuses and offer those who do so. Um, uh, currently released Sony first-party PC titles. Um, so far what they have is they've got Marvel Spider-Man, which just recently released. Um, then, of course, they got God of War, Predator Hunting Grounds, Days Gone, and Horizon Zero Dawn Complete Edition. Yeah. So not a heck of a whole lot so far, but hey, you know, once again... <clears throat> what I'm curious about, yeah. like, do they really need their own launcher to have, like, you know, the accounts, like, gamertag switch over? Like, and I, I'm at a loss here because I haven't played the Halo um, launch on Steam, but do you still link that to your Microsoft account at all? Or is it all done through a Steam account? That's an excellent question. That's... A question more tailored for. Yeah, I'm just curious. We'd have to look it up. Um, yeah. And it, I would feel like you'd need to, but I could be wrong. And assuming that's the case, if you do use your Microsoft account through your Steam version of Halo, mm -hmm. PlayStation should be able to do the same thing with PSN in a roundabout way. What I'm more interested in is I think I read this somewhere, not that they were doing it, but as a possibility, if you can cross buy your game. So if I buy my game on the PC launcher, I now own it on the PlayStation ecosystem 
period. And I can go play it on my PlayStation, my PC, whatever. Kind of how Xbox does theirs. That, I think, would be worth it. And we're out of time. Last okay. minute. <laughs> that works. That's perfect. All right. So we're going to go ahead and move on to our second major topic. No more lightning now, this round. Is... Right. No more lightning round. That's tell us, tell us how you th like the lightning round if anybody's watching this. Was that better? Worse? Do you like not listening better to worse. us as long? So. <laughs> I think I think people were very much like us putting the time time uh, time limit on that. <laughs> All right. So major topic number two, we're going to move on to recently the Embracer Group, that that major conglomerate video game company that bought out uh, what was it? They bought out everybody. Uh, not Square Enix last earlier this year. Who was it? They bought out. Um, were they the ones who bought Eidos, out? Yeah, uh, Eidos, Eidos Montreal. Montreal. Yeah. Yeah, so basically they have moved on. Didn't they get was it Tomb Raider and um, Deus Ex? Were those the big I ones? believe so. And yeah. Guardians, Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. Um, I think the only thing they didn't get in that deal was Hitman, because mm. Hitman is like a different leg of Eidos, um, which you could argue that's you know one of the larger ones, but. Um, so I'm going to be honest, this is the one I don't have any, I got to find the notes. Uh, so basically, I guess we'll just kind of wing it. I mean, I know in this deal, they get what they get the, uh, video game publishing rights to the Lord of the Rings series. Well, it's they more get... than just video game rights. They, to my understanding, to my understanding, unless I'm really missing something here, they bought out like, so... You had, I don't remember the name of the entity that owned this, but you had an entity that owned the rights to Lord of the Rings, all the Tolkien works, essentially. Mm -hmm. And for the past, you know, however many decades now, when people have utilized Tolkien works, they've licensed them or licensed them from this this group, this entity, which I can't remember the name, and I'm, I'm sorry. Um, and like when, you know, Peter Jackson did his trilogy and beyond. It's all Zaints all company. I think, that, yeah, that's it. Uh, they yeah. would license it from them. I think the exception to that, there was some kind of loophole with the um, the new Amazon show that didn't I'm require them to right license now, it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so they didn't just buy the game rights. They bought that group. So they own now the mm -hmm. all the rights to all of Tolkien's works. Um, so that means anything that's been under that. And that's the cool thing about this, or it may not cool thing, interesting thing about it. It's not like now they have to go rebuild these partnerships. Like they bought that head unit so all the partnerships they already had licensing agreements with like warner brothers to release a lot of the movies and um, amazon with this show whatever it may be they now just own it they don't have to worry even about figuring out all the details they just they get the brunt of it at the end of it so um that means games uh any kind of you know arm that's dealing with the video game development with that license they now have the rights to that the tv show the movies just to my knowledge, pretty mm. much everything Tolkien related. Interesting. That's probably gonna that may spell good for the video game side of Lord of the Rings because as of or uh, you know the Middle Earth stuff in general because mm. it hasn't really been spectacular as of late. I know some people are like it seems like people are very wishy washy as to whether they liked the Shadow of War, Shadow of Mordor series. Mm. I for one wasn't crazy for that first game. I never got to play the second one. Other games. I, I don't. I mean, I know Gollum. I don't know if I, oh, Gollum that's technically still come, coming out, isn't it? Next year, sometime. I, but yeah, there's there's not really a heck of a whole lot for them to build upon right now. I mean, maybe that's good, you know, because they can kind of step in and like clean slate it and just start from ground zero. What do we have? What do we need to yeah. start working on? Well, for I mean, a long time, like most of the Tolkien franchise has kind of taken a lull over the past what 
five, six years or so. I don't know when the last Hobbit movie even ended at this point, but it's mm. been a hot minute. Uh, besides this Amazon show, you know, it just hasn't been in the, you know, um, the general kind of pop, uh, hot topic kind of wheelhouse that's out there. So, um, there, I guess there hasn't really been as much of a need for a game. And I say that's an odd thing. You don't have to, you know, have a movie or something else out there to make a game about anything from Tolkien's universe. But that always seemed like when they would do it, right? You have a big movie coming out, so they're going to capitalize on it with some spinoff game, whatever it may be. So I think because there hasn't been any real push from the main portion of the franchise with movies, TVs, whatever, games have kind of just been a little on the back burner, bar- barring that Golem game. But that might change now that the show's coming back. It feels like they're trying to make a resurgence with the franchises, so I don't know. I think I'm curious, like, so you say it might be a good thing. I haven't really been I haven't really been paying attention to what Embracer Group has now really done with all these acquisitions, uh, acquisitions yet. I know they've owned a lot of companies now for a while. I haven't even... I don't even know their whole list now of things that they own or companies they own. Um, but I don't know if I've seen a whole lot of fruit from them yet. Right? Like, so they bought out Midos Montreal. Um, Midos, Midos, Idos Montreal. Uh, I know that's a pretty recent purchase, but we don't know what that's going to mean yet. We are, Everybody's hopeful. Oh, that's great. Now we might see a Guardians 2. We don't know that yet. There's no guarantee we're going to get that. Um, and okay, so they bought out all these rights to The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings. That doesn't mean we're going to all of a sudden get some great Lord of the Rings game made by some of these developers. You would hope so, because they have all these great developers under their umbrella now. But um, I don't know. I think it's still a big question mark. Um, And I'd have to go back and see from the people they currently own and what they're putting out, um, how well that's really panning out for them. I don't know if you have any information on that or read anything about that. or. No, I was just real quick while you were talking. I just was looking at some of the other acquisitions they had gotten, but... Like, who's under them, period? Like, not even just recent acquisitions. Like, I'm trying to think of uh, companies that have been under them long-term that we would have already seen some games come from. From what I remember off the top of my head, they initially were a video game company. They were Mm -hmm. a major developer that kind of switched names. I'm trying to remember what... um, Oh, Nordic. They were Nordic, yes. So they they were already a game developer... Um, they bought I don't Coffee remember. Stain Studios. And I'm trying to uh, let me look up what games exactly. Isn't Coffee Stain, the one who did Goat Simulator, I think so. I believe so, yes, because they do own that IP. Uh, Swedish uh, Dark video Horse. Games. Oh, they, do they own Dark Horse Media? Yes, they do. Oh, mm-hmm. oh all okay. That's interesting. They own a lot. They actually uh, Gearbox, own Gearbox, like... Saber. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but um. Yeah, I mean, some of the other stuff that they got, I mean, I'm sure, um, I'm not quite sure how big, how popular people are with limited run games. I know they're kind of a niche company, more particularly, you know, swayed towards people like us, collectors. But even someone like me, I don't buy from limited run all that often. I don't know if we were clear, they bought limited run. Yes, they bought limited run. As well as a handful of other Mm -hmm. actual developers like Tripwire and who else? Um, Tripwire, some other PC company. Um, if you don't know Tripwire, they're they're more known for the Killing Floor series. Maneater. Uh, Maneater they developed. There was some other stuff. Oh, I saw the, um, I can't remember off the top of my head. Doing a, doing a bad job of keeping notes. Sorry, why well, I, I sidetracked you. Um, but the limited no, run good. stuff is interesting, um, because that's a very different type of publishing house. It's... I was going to say, I'd love to see how, how like beneficial it is for them to buy something like limited run well it must mean that limited run is relatively profitable right now and here's the thing like 
game collecting is still at I think an all time high. Like I don't think it's really dipped too much yet. I mean, it might in you know upcoming years, but uh, limited run sales are pretty high right now. Um, so I would imagine I haven't even gotten my freaking Ninja Turtle game yet. Uh, well, that's not even been um, published yet, like the physicals. Really? Yeah, no. I don't think so. Oh, I'm still so waiting on my. Version. I'm waiting on my vinyl for the Scott Pilgrim soundtrack. That still hasn't come in. You still haven't gotten that? Nope. So. Yikes. Yeah, and that's the dark side of limited run. Like you order stuff from them, depending what it is, you might not see it for years. But yeah, um, that's another thing. But I know they're profitable, so they clearly saw that and were like, "Hey, let's go ahead and you know give that a shot." Um, I've my feelings on limited run have been shifting a little bit. Like I'm still a sucker for some of their collectors editions, but the whole point of limited run initially was, uh, what's their uh, catchphrase? Uh, forever physical. So then if you could pick up one of their games that they published 20, 30, 40 years from now, put it in the system it was made for and just play it. No need for internet downloads, whatever. They've started to slip on that. Um, I don't remember what game it was. I think it, it might've been, like the Doom collection or something they put out for the Switch. Um, I guess for you to even play it, you had to have a Bethesda account, which right off the bat means for you to ever play this, you've got to have the internet. I think they tried to fix it, but you know, it's like uh, I'm, I'm getting on a sidetrack here with Limited Run in particular. But, anyways, I think for Embracer, it was probably a profitable company at the time as a game collection or game collecting is hot. So, why not? No, yeah, they've definitely been on a spending spree, man. Um, I actually didn't even. Oh, I just thought about. It. I didn't even know, look up how much they spent for the Lord of the Rings and all of that stuff. I'd imagine it'd have to be quite a bit. In other words, somebody else probably would have done it a long time ago. Um, surprised WB even had never tried because you know they made so much with the movies. Maybe they have in the past. I don't know. Well, because I remember a major talking point with the um, Eidos Montreal purchase was how cheap it was for them. I remember they. They got that entire studio yeah. for like two hundred million, which a lot of people were like. I think that was Dang. Square, though. Like Square, I think is trying to cut corners, or not cut corners. I'm sorry, uh, clean house a little bit. Uh, the big theory is that they're going to want to sell pretty soon. Uh, and a lot of people are thinking, oh, Sony's going to snatch up Square Enix, so they're probably trying to drop franchises that are not profitable, so that makes them look more appealing to you know sell off at some point. So that might be why they got such a good deal for those franchises uh, in particular. I don't necessarily think that's the case for the Lord of the Rings stuff, because I don't think people look at those as low-profit franchises by any means. Yeah, mm -hmm. I know Amazon doesn't. They made the most expensive TV show ever based upon it. So, I remember a lot of people... Well, actually, it's all coming back to me. I remember the Embracer or the Square... The, the, the Eidos Montreal. Or A lot of people were mad because Square, just after that selling that for the $200 million, they said they were going to convert that $200 million into some sort of nft uh, something right? nft yeah. bitcoin some sort so a lot of people were like so you sell like some like hard-hitting game franchises for some possible revenue down the line it's like uh, but they're businesses like i think some people pe sometimes people forget that especially when you think about these classic gaming companies that used to be a lot smaller probably war were more focused on just making games but now these are major companies they're not just these tiny little game studios um and they have bottom lines and shareholders and all that. So, I mean, I'm not I'm saying I agree with their, um, you know, trend chasing of trying to get into the NFT market by any means. Like, I think that's a poor avenue to go down. But I'm also not surprised by it. It's just, I don't know. 
It's a business. I'm, it's a company. I'm having trouble finding how much they spent exactly for all of this stuff. Well, I guess the bottom line with it's this is not important, but is this good? Do you like it? I mean, this goes back. We've had this conversation with other acquisitions. You know, Microsoft buying everybody, Sony buying everybody, Embracer buying everybody. Like, mm-hmm. what do we think about this uh, dystopia we're going in, where there's only going to be two companies at the end? Uh, one's Disney and one's Micro, Sony, Tendo, all just fused together. I mean, unfortunately, there's nothing you can do for, you know, growing companies and monopolies. I mean, it's the way our our uh, our capitalistic society works unfortunately there will be certain ones that rise above the rest i mean all you can hope for is that you know the 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 structures that we have can find a way to to maintain <laughs> maintain things but i i you know have no hope for that no um i mean may, all you have to hope the only thing you can hope for is that the companies that do own them continue to I don't know, do the best with the studios that they have and prioritize making a good product and hope, hopefully treating their employees well. And Here's the fear, though. Like I mean, as far as, you know, treating employees well, that's a whole other thing. But as far as focusing on the product, although you'd hope that's what companies do, as I said, I am under no disillusion that companies aren't here to make money. Um, and the reason right now, like right now, I think a lot of people are looking relatively favorably on companies like Microsoft. Not that they are, you know, scrutinizing them for buying, you know, um, Bethesda and Activision, all that. But um, I think uh, Uncle uh, Uncle Phil has done some good. Um, what's a good way to say this? Um, self-image uplifting over the past few years. So they they come across as a good guy, I think, in some cases. Here's the thing, though. I think the only reason it feels that way right now is they have competition. To kind of push back against like they're pushing out game pass so they can kind of you know butt up against sony and make them look bad um but imagine in a, a world where sony wasn't there what if microsoft somehow was successful and just plain bought everybody they own sony they bought embracer they bought nintendo they bought you, the inner chat spam podcast oh you know, yeah well i'll be cheap um <laughs> do you think they're really going to be so consumer friendly if they are the last uh last shop you can go to Nope. Yeah, so um, I think that's the fear everybody's at. Like, I think that's kind of the thing about capitalism, too. Like, capitalism, we're in a weird situation with it where they have such large organizations making so much, um, and they are all monopolizing. But what makes that system work at all is when you have strong free market competition. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think as we lose that competition we're going to see the worst sides of capitalism over time. Um, not that we aren't there already, but um, I, again, that's my fear. I am not necessarily opposed to Embracer Group specifically buying these um, IPs. Maybe that would be great for the gamers. We'll get some cool games out of them. Maybe In actuality, it may be good that a company like Embracer Group pops up because they pop up to combat. Or to go up to go to war with Xbox. Well, I'm not saying that's the case. I mean, I'm saying I don't have anything personally against Embracer themselves buying this, but I think the general trend of everybody buying everybody at some point is going to probably bite us in the butt. Like if we end up having just two or three major owners of everything. Well, I'm not saying I I back it. I'm just saying, but to combat a major company like Microsoft or Apple or something, I mean, you know. 
another company rising up to the top maybe isn't a bad or you know New, I, more I competition know. like i don't know how well embracer size wise matches up to someone like microsoft it makes, or it Sony, makes less competition but... in the free market like you were saying but it makes more competition up at the top yeah so, uh, is that a good or bad thing who knows more competition know? is always better like for consumers like um i um uh, I won't go into too much detail. I was going to say I, uh, something from a personal story, but in general, just in um, when you can, having more competition, always better for consumer. You have more options. Even, there's more to buy for, et cetera. It's even good, maybe good for like developers and, and, and you know, ground workers, you know, people, you know, if, if you know, it's good because you can combine, you can compare, you know, offers from Embracer versus offers from Microsoft and Apple, you know, I mean, I, I don't know. Maybe I'm I'm just thinking thinking positively on this. Oh, that's fair. Um, I mean, you were right in one sense, though. There's nothing we can do about it. No, so, there's um, I mean, all this I think kind of theory crafting over if this is good or bad, or you know, analyzing the future of all of this capitalistic monopoly, like whatever. <laughs> I think that's kind of where I got with. It. I've become so numb to it, which maybe that's not the right place to be. I don't know, but. I've come um, to the point of years ago when I used to like very much think of, you know, you, you, you speak, you speak with your money, you let your money, you know, your purchases dictate your, how you want to control things. And it's like, you know, maybe to an extent, but these the companies core of that go. is true. But the problem is these companies are so big and their market is so big. Like you might be able to put up a stance, be like, okay, I'm going to speak with my wallet. And maybe you convince five of your closest friends to do it. Maybe they convince five of their friends to do it. But at the end of the day, you've maybe convinced a hundred people. Okay. Yes. They have mm -hmm. millions of people. Mm -hmm. So it's just a drop in the bucket for most of it. So unless you can make some wide scale, even like when they do have like big uh, controversies about certain things and like, um, I'm trying to think of a recent one. Um, oh, I was going to say um, in my head, I was people that were upset about all of the crazy stuff that's been going on with Activision Blizzard. Yeah. And most people like, don't all, care or know. That's the thing. Like we as gamers know. know. And even the people that are like, I'm not going to buy the new Diablo game because of that. It's like, okay, well they just got bought by Microsoft. So now that whole company should be, you know, they're still in a position where they can continue to make games. And but even if they didn't like, you're right. That's a good example. Like uh blizzard or Activision blizzard in particular has been a terrible company for many, many reasons over the past, you know, yes. decades. Um, but most people in the general, you know, ecosphere are not going to care. They're going to say, ooh, new Diablo, bye. They're not going to look into the politics. They're I'm not in that boat. I'm excited for Diablo, what, Diablo 4. And, and it's you like, know about all the issues, and you're still going to yes, support Yes, and I, I know. I, I, it's bad. But just think about that. Like, the group or the percentage of people that stay up to date with this kind of stuff and know every issue and why we shouldn't be supporting them with money, even if we all spoke with our wallets... It's not going to matter. And I know somebody out there is going to yell at me like, that's the wrong way to think of it. You should still stand on your moral high ground. And that's fine. I mean, you still should if that's where you feel like your principles are at. But I don't think ultimately it's going to change anything. Maybe I'm jaded, but these companies are going to grow. And unless like there's a major thing that prevents them from doing business, they're going to keep doing that business and most people aren't going to care. Agree. Oh, I agree. Ultimately, if you're excited for Diablo 4, man, go buy it. I, cause I'm, not nothing... that. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that. There's... Yeah, Here's but the thing. Bobby, no. Cod Bobby Kotick's going to get paid out the behind. Okay, the I, I want to rephrase this because um, I do think if you have personal moral principles about how these companies are behaving, 
you should not support. I am very much um, a proponent for standing up and not supporting individuals, companies, whatever, for how they utilize your support through your financial uh, givings or uh, purchases. However, I don't think you should be um, disillusioned to think that that's going to stop them. That's all yes. I'm saying. Like now, if you want to play Diablo and that's your choice, by all means. So I'm not saying you should throw out your um, moral um, uh, standings or how you feel about a certain game. Just ah, forget that. Just go buy the game. You're gonna have fun. Like I'm, I don't think we should promote that necessarily. Um, I just don't think you should assume that by you standing on your moral high ground, you're gonna stop these major companies. I think it's just the fact of where we are in today's, you know, capitalistic society. But as I said, maybe I am jaded or I don't know, misinterpreting things, but that's where I'm at. I don't. I don't think you're jaded. I. I it, it's just. It's tough. It's tough to like. You know, it's it, like you were saying. It's like you either stick with your morals or do you want to enjoy the things that you enjoy? And it, it is a very slippery slope of. Well, that's life in general. I know it's getting a yeah. little too broad, but. Here's the thing. The world and the way systems work are not in your favor. There are going to be people that are going to profit off of other people's suffering or whatever it may be, um, workplace abuse, what have you. That's going to happen, I think, no matter what we do without major like changes to systems, which I'm not getting into any of that. Um, but And I think you should... Oh, oh, sorry. I don't no, no. I, I'm blabbering I was, to, be point, fair, I'm at le- to be fair, at least nowadays with the advent of social media people people to an extent do have a voice and can make subtle differences at for least better or for worse like better or for worse like you you know i'm not saying every opinion out there should be known but at least to an extent i remember when the whole activision blizzard thing did happen the outcry was so so loud and so boisterous that i remember their stock prices did take a dip and that's I think what ultimately pushed them in the direction of looking at Microsoft. But again, you know, they, 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 they still probably will end up on their feet, but you know, they did initially take a bit of, a bit of brunt, you know, uh, from, from a lot of the outcry. So you can make a difference, but you know, it, I think it all depends on certain situations. I don't know. Yeah. I think we should move on. <laughs> I'm just going to uh, rant around a circle. And I apologize if I'm driving anybody crazy. I don't <laughs> no, know. No, it's fine. It's, de- it's a depressing world. <laughs> so. Yeah. All right. Let's move into something fun. Let's talk trash about something. Okay. Uh, oh, you want to talk trash or you want to talk good? I thought you wanted to switch oh, the last two topics. Up to you. I'll, I'll leave it up to you. We have two more topics, so you can choose which route you want to go. All right. So... You know what? Let's keep everything. Let's finish it out on a negative, <laughs> on a negative note. Okay. Um. So uh, we'll move on to the boys season three. So I finally got to watch it and get and get you know get caught got caught up with everybody. Man, this show just continues to to be crazy. I guess right off the bat, something I did want to throw out is, I guess now would be a good time since I'm caught up to kind of rank seasons Mm. you know one through three and i'm kind of different i I, a lot of people from what i've uh you know heard from friends and i think your opinion is that a lot of people have liked season three the most although i remember you said you liked one a lot yeah i don't know if people like three the most i mean it's done well critically i don't know if i have my thumb on the pulse enough to say that you know three is being just more generally yeah. accepted as the better season. I don't know. 
Yeah, I'll actually say for my, in my opinion, I feel like for me, if I were to rank them, it would be season two is the one I like the most, then season one, then season three. So I would definitely say for me, this is probably my lesser favorite of the three. But in my opinion, this show, this season is still like top tier television all at the moment three it's still are like, good like all of them are great yeah yeah so i mean if you're looking for a quality show i think consistently this show holds up um i have a hard time i think really ranking them especially one and two i think i watched one and i finished it right before two came out so i kind of flowed right between them which i know is kind of what you did but for me mm -hmm. that makes it hard to distinguish them like one and two just kind of become this big season because i watched them pretty much um mm -hmm. just all at once um I watched all three of them back to back to back. So One, I think, stands out the most to me just because, you know, it came out of nowhere. I had no idea what to expect. So when some of the craziness happened, it caught me off guard. I'm like, oh, it left a bigger impact. Mm -hmm. um, two, a little less so for me, I think, as far as the big impact it had. There were some crazy moments. But um, three, for me, felt like the shock and awe season. I don't know about you, but – and I really don't want to get to some of the – the really weird, gross <laughs> stuff, if we can avoid oh, some I want to get into the really oh, weird, gross stuff. I don't stuff. think, honestly, I don't think I can talk about it. I just, <laughs> my heart won't let me. Um, you didn't like Termite? Come on, Termite was great. Oh, man. That first episode was probably the most, one of the most disturbing things <laughs> I think I had seen in did, did maybe see any the behind, media. Did you see the behind the scenes of how they recorded that scene? No, I don't know if I want to. <laughs> the, the the let's just say the thing he runs into to actually record it, they had him, the actor, running on a uh, in a, almost a green screen, mm -hmm. and he actually ran into a giant, you know what, that was actually built oh. <laughs> when he's when he's like running from the back. Yeah, it's this... so crazy. Yeah. So, for me, those big shock and awe moments stand out. And the one particular episode that kind of builds upon that same theming, um, I don't know, caught me off guard quite a bit. Um, I liked the... Talking about the... What was it? The, the hero gasm? Yeah. Um, I said, I, I can't. I can't go into detail on it. Don't make me do it, Chaz. <laughs> you don't have to. Um, I'll, I'll yeah, say, though, yeah. overall, like I think I liked the plot of this. Um, I like flashbacky seasons i found mm -hmm. um so i liked seeing the i uh, was a soldier boy stuff um boy. and Chris i like basically yeah i liked their I, I like this when this show tries to do the um satire of traditional comic book heroes i like that so i like seeing their comparison like homelander is their version of superman essentially how messed up mm -hmm. he is so seeing their version of what is essentially captain america i thought was pretty fun um woman huh man wonder woman yeah all of the basic you know so, flash yeah so if i find i find that fun um i liked the black noir stuff i am disappointed how easily and abruptly it ended because they actually built him up a lot in this season they mm -hmm. make him like he's you know very much like a like a sympathetic character it feels like he's there's going to be this big, huge climactic battle between him and, and soldier boy at the end. And he kind of just, just gets soft. Yeah. Destroyed. Um, I'm kind of curious as to in future, if they're going to leave him dead because he's lived through some like very traumatic stuff. I mean, how he was like destroyed by soldier head boy was like blasted open. Yeah. I mean, he somehow survived a nut, you know, a nut allergy reaction <laughs> in a coma. Yeah, I think he said yeah. he was in a coma because of that. So he's 
I think I think they I very have a much... feeling they're gonna leave him dead. I mean, I know they they don't have to. It's a comic book show, so they can do whatever they want. I feel like, and I haven't read the comics, but I have watched like um, some compared comparisons. What they've mm-hmm. changed, what they haven't. I don't think Black Noir was supposed to die there, like in the comics. I think he mm-hmm. goes on longer in the narrative. So um, I would be totally okay if they kind of just fashioned him in the in the the vein of like of uh, Deadpool, which it kind of seems like he kind of almost does, you know, with the suit and uh, he's got not, some regener- not regenerative regenerative capabilities. abilities. Yeah, I just remembered all his um, weird cartoon cartoon flashbacks. stuff. I loved. Yeah. Oh, that was. I absolutely loved the narrative decision of using of using something to kind of uh, help him deal with the problems that he has. Yeah, that's his way of coping is to like imagine the way those little animated characters acted out the scenes (laughs) was really good. It was so sad when he dies and the the characters are like, "It's okay, don't worry, (laughs) it's okay, you're you're." you're you're going to heaven now and it's just like whoa yeah no that was that was a very boys moment so yeah. um i don't um, think anything else i'll tell you some characters i'm getting tired of um starlight eh, i don't know i feel like she's serving the exact yeah. same role like there are some characters that i think right now are stuck in a weird spot where they're not really evolving too much like i'll be honest i didn't really like huey i didn't like season. huey either like Huey's done that, you know, back and forth thing the whole show. Like he's like mm-hmm. he's in, he's out, he's in, he's out. Um, and I think there was just still too much of that in this season. I felt like at the end of season two was about as much stomach as I had for that kind of you know behavioral shift. And it seemed like he was sticking to something at that point. But now he started going back and forth again. The way he you know mm-hmm. even treats Starlight in it, which I think is kind of crappy. Like he, I think is supposed to maybe I'm missing this. He's supposed to serve as kind of the audience moral perspective but i don't feel like feel like i agree with his perspective most of the time so maybe i'm just missing it and they're trying to you know build him in a different direction but i don't know i'm kind of over him and starlight just kind of she feels the same to me so i'm ready for her to do something different i i do ultimately feel like that's to me is what makes this season lesser than the previous two is that i feel like in my opinion this is probably the most tropey of the three seasons there are some plot elements that are like they're kind of things that you would expect that a show like this would do now and now again i will say in my opinion all of that stuff that i'm talking about solely revolves around in my opinion the butcher and huey kind of plot of you know them getting addicted to the compound v serum and a lot of their decisions that they start to make after that addiction type stuff is just kind of like like typical like like power hungry type things I feel like Huey's starting not to serve a point either. Like, I'm, I haven't watched the first two seasons in a while, but I feel like he had more agency and more of a reason to be involved. But this season, I'm trying to think what he really brought to the table, besides maybe some contrived reasons for him to be around, um, and just to have some, you know, conflict with him and Butcher and Starlight. If you think about it, where he starts off at the beginning of this season is exactly where he's at at the end. I mean, he comes off of the high of the drug and mm. he's back because, you know, the whole point of this season between him and Butcher is that he finally agrees with Butcher that Butcher's way of doing things is the is the wrong way, but it's ultimately it's the, the way to get way. things done, the necessary way. I guess he's and, supposed to be the thing that grounds Butcher a little bit, but I don't know if I really... I don't know the way Butcher views Huey, or at least has interacted with him the past season. 
I'm not feeling that connection anymore. Like, I don't know. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, like, they just, they do certain things where it's like, it's just like, dude, you've, you've seen at this point, like, like, like they hit you over the head with the whole idea that everyone Butcher ever gets close with or any stuff like that. He ends up ultimately hurting. And it's like, it's like, yeah, that is the truth. Basically mm-hmm. anyone who he, he gets close with or, or he, you know, decides to work with, he eventually will begin to use them. And it's just like, yeah, he, and he, he gets things done, but he destroys everything he touches in, in the, in the, in the meantime, you know? Yeah. And, I guess sometimes you know, I have a hard time understanding. Like, I mean, I get that's his character, but when he makes certain decisions that lead to moments like that, I don't know if I really agree with how that character acted. Like when he, um, uh, what was the, what's the son's name? Homelander's son. Uh, Ryan. Ryan. Like when he flipped out at Ryan and basically said, I don't care it about you. Totally. That like, felt out of place. Like it did. I understand what you're saying. Like, yeah, anybody's close to, and I understand why he was doing that. I was supposed to, you know, protect him by distancing him, but but it's like, dude, this kid is possibly the next strongest hero. And just in the, in the context universe. of what was going on, I feel because it seems like he cares for this kid at some mm-hmm. level, and I feel like that's not the just. I don't know. Maybe I'm just reading the character differently. I don't feel like that was the right character action for that. Which I know I why do. they did it. They wanted to push Ryan back towards Homelander so they could set up what's coming. It just I don't know. Maybe it's the way um, that. Butcher's being portrayed. I I don't know, but either way, and they almost did it again because um, there's a scene where Starlight finds out the uh, ramifications of taking the Compound V, mm-hmm. and so she and I thought they were gonna like go through with it where she tells it to Butcher, and then Butcher never relays Doesn't the information yeah. to Huey, and I'm like, like seriously? So Butcher now knows that if Huey takes it again, that this could compromise both of them and kill them, and Luckily, I guess Butcher does the right thing and it leaves Huey behind, but it's like they almost like, you know, made Butcher the, the bad guy again. Who I, I... I guess that's my point. Like, they usually do pull back on Butcher making that decision, like of being just the straight up bad guy. Like, there's always like some thread there that kind of keeps him. Like, he makes that decision to, you know, basically spare Huey. I mm-hmm. feel like the moment he had with Ryan would have been one of those moments. But you know, I don't know. You could probably argue both ways. Like, he was emotional, et cetera, et cetera. And he felt like that was probably the best thing. He thought that was protecting him. I don't know. Um, I just didn't like that moment. When it happened, it wasn't even that. It was just, like, felt bad for Ryan. I'm just like, that just doesn't feel right to me. But that could just be my own take on it. Yeah, I mean, at least the narrative decision of doing the Compound V stuff with Huey and Butcher, at least with, with Huey, at the very end, he kind of makes up for it by... Because he gives, because you know, Starlight is about to get killed by uh, by Soldier Boy, and he has the decision of taking the Compound V, and luckily he refuses, and you know, raises up the lighting in mm-hmm. the room to give Starlight more power, and it's like, okay, so there is like a little, there is a there is like a, a nice result out of that, you know, he makes the right decision, and it's just like, they don't do that with Butcher, where essentially Butcher just ends up ruining everything once again, kind of it. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I I think you kind of mentioned this, and I think the more I think about it, I I do kind of feel this. Like, all three seasons are good, but we're getting to a point where I think things are starting to feel maybe a little stretched thin, or like we're the character bouncing back and forth or certain tropes. The writing writing takes a subtle, subtle dip. I don't even want to say it's the writing, because I think the writing quality is still really good. I think it's more 
how long can they stretch some of these character arcs slash, slash behaviors? Like, I feel like some of these characters should be moving past certain points. Um, and there maybe... Is... Oh, good. No, say what you're saying. I was going to say, there is some, like, fan... That's the one thing I like, is other than those couple plot threads we were talking about, that's the one great thing about this show, is it gives every character... Uh, like a like a great arc. Every character mm. has like a fantastic arc, in my opinion. Everything that happens between Kimiko, Frenchie, uh, mother's mother's milk. You know, everyone has like. I a liked really MM's good... arc. Like, I M-M, feel like he yeah. had kind of. I'm trying to remember back to the other seasons now, but I feel like he hasn't had a whole lot of time to really shine or get a whole lot of information about him. So seeing how Soldier Boy has impacted his whole history and his you know ties to things, mm. I think it was pretty interesting. Even like even a character like uh. A train has had a fantastic arc, like the whole scene at the hero gasm where like Huey is is like confronts him mm-hmm. and, and, and he braces like, like you're right. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, Huey wants him to like like say something bad, and then A train is just like no, you're right, man. I what I did was totally messed up. I shouldn't have done that. Yeah. You know, think about that forever. And Huey is clearly hopped up on the compound V. Wants him to wants him to say something to make him punch him in the face and. It's just like, I don't know if that, there's some like really great scenes. This show still is really, there's some fantastic scenes here. Yeah. I do think Huey though has been repeating his arc a little bit. Like, Mm -hmm. I I think that's what, maybe that's just when I think back, like that's standing out now is kind of like a sore spot for me. I'm kind of tired of Huey, but um, everything Mm -hmm. else, I think overall, I definitely want to see where it goes. I am probably like everybody else. I'm just waiting for Homelander to snap. Like, I feel like that's the next big thing that could happen right is for him just uh, to basically geez. really not care I, I almost felt like that should have happened this season but the soldier boy stuff kind of brought that back down but that's really what this whole show has been building towards is homelander just going crazy and i mean as much as you don't want to see it because you know that's like the worst thing that's also where this whole thing is kind of going to so i'm hoping season four gets us there if it drags it out longer I don't know, because really, what's what's Homelander's arc beyond that? Like, what, what else can he do? He's not going to all of a sudden turn good from this, right? I don't think he can back down from where he's at. And to be fair, I, I know nothing about the comic, so if he does, I'm sorry. Um, I mean, maybe, maybe Homelander creates Ryan to be, or pushes him in a direction to be worse than him. Maybe that is the ultimate direction, is that Homelander to stop Ryan from killing everything? or But that doesn't... Mm. See, that just doesn't, doesn't feel like it's in Homelander. Homelander's arc at all. Like, I feel like Homelander wouldn't care. He'd be like, great, because he thinks both of them are better than everybody, right? They're superior beings. And But it could make sense if Homelander has a sense of, like... He does very much have a superiority complex, though, so maybe... If they give maybe... him a soft spot to that regard in the next season, I'm not going to like it. Like, Really? I don't know. I mean, he, I, he wants Ryan to be like him, but ultimately he wants to be the one on top and Ryan wants to be on top. That's really what is like, they've alluded to him. He cares. He has a son and I can get that. He's, he's got a messed up, you know, creation upbringing, but this character at his core is pure narcissism. Like it's about him all the way. So I think anything where he all of a sudden puts Ryan or whoever above him, I think is at some level always going to feel out of place. I mean, if you try to justify it that he's had, you know, like, I don't know. I just don't feel like he should characteristically have that change where he would even care about his son to that level beyond his needs. Maybe, so. maybe they could find a way to remove his powers and then 
you know, Ryan seeing him with his powers removed, then all of a sudden, you know, thinks of him as useless. And then all of a sudden that might be an interesting take of him being more human and then maybe. having to deal with the consequences of what he's done with Ryan. You know what I mean? Like maybe they find a way to take, um, take the, take the radiation aspect of soldier boy, right. Create, remove his powers. Remove powers. That might be interesting. And then he has to deal with Ryan and try and like, cause then Ryan's the most powerful, you know, I mean, they, there's some interesting directions they could go in. Yeah. I think I feel flip things on homelander too yeah i think on, I, the problem is i see how they would want to play out that story arc because here's the thing if he loses his powers then you know butcher's goal would be okay i can kill homelander now but i can already see where they'd go with that they'd get to the point where butcher's about to kill homelander because he has no powers He's like you know what a worse punishment is to let you live and mm. i think that would just be the stupidest thing because then it's going to be this contrived thing where homelander gets his powers back and we're like right back to where we started like i think what i'm getting at is i'm feeling the stretch that you're kind of mentioning of like, okay, we've been on these story beats for a long time. The whole thing has been Butcher trying to get Homelander. And I feel like we're getting to the point where we kind of need that payoff. And if they do something to stretch it further out in the next season, I'm going to start feeling a little cheated, if that makes sense. Definitely have things lined up. I'm very intrigued by some of these plot elements. Like, like what exactly is going to happen with Butcher now mm -hmm. that we know he has, what, just a few months to live? Um, you know, still. I don't think that's going to end up being Ryan a major thing. I think the butcher will find a way to be around longer. Like they'll come up with some cure, some other superpowered something that keeps him alive. Like this show, I think would have a hard time surviving with butcher not being around. You know, like who's then the opposition really to Homelander that we're going to care about? Huey, no. MM, Frenchie. Like, and I definitely don't want to, don't want to watch a show that's just, you know, Soldier Boy versus Homelander. So, like, Butcher has to stick around. If they kill him off, I'm not sure what direction the show could take. So, I'm sure there's a cure in the next season that's going to keep him going. Well, say that was kind of a disappointment as well at the end of the season is the fact that, like, everyone basically lived. Like, I mean, you know, we mentioned, we talked about it off off the, the stream, like, a while, a few days ago. <laughs> But the whole idea of a show like this versus like Game of Thrones, where for the longest time Game of Thrones was great and epic because of the um, how unpredictable it was, where it could kill off anyone, no one was safe, could go in any direction, and then towards the latter end of the series, it, it waned because people started to get plot armor. You know, it felt like they were, you know, it, they they just refused to do things that they used to do, and it, it became very predictable. Whereas yeah. like the latter end of this season. You know, like the whole Maeve and Soldier Boy thing. Like, I'm not saying I wanted either of them to die, but like, feels like it was necessary. I mean, now, now all of a sudden, now Maeve is a wasted character because now she has no powers and that. You know, I don't say she's wasted. I mean, I agree. I don't think I need to have characters die out of nowhere. I mean, this is kind of well, this it, show has kind of it, set itself up to be that kind of show, though, where mm -hmm. you are kind of expecting the unexpected death here and there. So. Uh, I think my bigger issue with Maeve is not even that she lived. I mean, okay, that's fine. But it was such a better story beat if she would have died. That's something I feel like this show hasn't had much is characters going out strong. Like having a good, complete story arc besides just randomly dying. Like that is one thing. Like some characters who die just die out of nowhere. There's no resolution to their story arc or whatever. They're just, bam, they're gone. Has so, the show had someone major die? I won't say well, major. Other, other than a couple of the vault people. Yeah, like you've had Black Noir. Like you've, I don't think you've had like 
I don't think major. No, I don't think you've had major, major people die. Like you think about the core of the boys, Frenchie, MM, Butcher, and Huey. They're all still around. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, Kimiko, she's still there too. Uh, most of the seven is still there, barring like White Noir. I guess Becca. Becca's the only one. Yeah, but. Man, I don't think and she was Homelander's, essential. Homelander's mom, girlfriend. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, you could argue how main those characters were. But um, mm -hmm. I guess my point being is I feel like Maeve would have been a nice change of pace because her story would have really felt complete. You know, like she's felt, you know, a lot of guilt over what's happened, how she was going to reconcile. Because, I mean, she's not innocent in this whole process either. She never stood up to Homelander with some of the crap down on the plane or any of that kind of stuff. Like she was complicit to it. So that her taking down Soldier Boy could have been some true resolution to a character, and then her, you know, dying at the end, like that could have given some finality to that, you know, sacrifice. And no character I think has really gotten that. No character that has died has had that. They've just been weird deaths. So I don't know. I feel like it's kind of a missed point, but maybe that's just not what the show is. The show is not about giving you mm -hmm. that nice, satisfying death for a character. And maybe Maeve is going to come back and have some other crazy crap happen to her and she'll have some unexpected mm -hmm. death and all be pointless. Maybe that's the whole point of this thing. It's just all pointless, Chaz. I don't know. Oh, maybe. Um, I guess real quick, I just want to mention a few scenes before we move on. Um, I really liked the, some of these Homelander scenes, man, are so freaking good. They're the best the scenes. Best, like uh, Homelander and the girl attempting suicide on the building mm -hmm. and he, he, like, he finds out Stormfront... <laughs> committed yep. suicide and he's just and like he's just, just, just go just do it <laughs> just go just go and then she's like frightened of him and she's like no i don't want to and you know what he does it's messed up. It's yeah horrible like um, he is honestly he's the reason i watch this show like he really is. i that love um keith urban he's great um carl urban. carl why does i say keith i think someone else uh carl urban is great i like his portrayal of butcher but all his scenes are just fine all the huey scenes are just fine anything really happening with the boys are just fine. When yeah. Homelander's there, that's when the tension jumps up. You really don't know what's going to happen. Like it's a much better show when he's on the screen. Yeah, there's other scenes, man. I remember, like I loved the scene <clears throat> at the end of episode two where Homelander, like onto the live audience, is like, um, he's just like, no, I'm tired of being controlled by mm -hmm. <clears throat> by you guys. I'm better than you. You should be worshiping me. And he's just like, I'm. I'm not listening to you anymore. They kind of waste that whole plot, though, because, like, he talks about how he's done with everything, and then afterwards they tell him that his numbers are up, and he immediately reverts back to, like, oh, cool, all right, I'll, I'll yeah. walk again, walk the line again. You know, they, they kind of waste... But that's point. He's, he's on the edge of that snapping moment. So it's like, he goes as far until he gets appeased. And it's just like, at some point, I think it's like, it's going to bottle up until he pops so i think that's kind of where they're getting towards and i think it's just at least for me i'm overly anticipating that popping moment so i, I agree i think the back and forth on that's getting a little old i need mm -hmm. to see just that boilerplate moment or bo that popping moment where he just goes for it oh i totally forgot there was the great scene of him talking in the mirror to his like other half mm -hmm. where he's like very willem dafoe very willem dafoe where he's like you you're we're where you're at because of your power and all that's just like it was kind of a neat scene um another scene i really liked was <laughs> one of my favorite quotes is uh is any time him and ashley are talking it's just like the most like 
dang it, dang it, Ashley. You know, it's just uh, he's, he's she's doing something and she messes up and he says, uh, "Is your idiot brain getting effed by stupid?" Mm-hmm. And and I love how like it's so mean to say to somebody and then like literally a few scenes later she says that to her to her other person and it's like it's like his his anger and frustrations is getting like you know it's it's just it's it's like going down the line it's like it moves on to her and then she you know passes that anger and frustration on to somebody else and i don't know yeah that's a whole other character man yeah um i guess I guess my last thing I'll just mention is I love the the quote from Hollander, where uh, he's being threatened by Starlight, where she's going to release the tape of what happened on the plane, and he says, "Um, oh, it's a great scene where he talks about how if he were to destroy the whole planet, what, how he would do it, and he's like, I would attack the media stations first, and then I'd take out the main military hubs, mm-hmm. and like it was great." And then he says, "Um, He's like, I, I prefer to be loved, but if you take that away from me, being fear is a freaking okay. Yeah. And great, great quote. There's some. Uh, he he really has some of the best scenes in the entire show. Agreed. So you're looking forward to season four overall? Yeah. I would say I am. Yeah, as I said, I hope it makes some bigger strides. Like, I don't know how long this show is supposed to run for. I know you had thought you saw something that was like five seasons. Um, I thought I did, but I don't know for sure. Regardless if you did or not, I feel like that's honestly probably a good length. Like, I think season four can make some, like, big kind of movements for stuff. And then one more season to kind of, like, wrap it up. I feel like if they stretch it six, seven, eight seasons, I'm not going to be nearly as keen on the show at a certain point. Because I can already (laughs) kind of feel it now. We've mentioned it, but yeah, I feel like some of those plot threads are starting to kind of cycle up, like uh, the Butcher, the Huey stuff. It's like, okay, we... Honestly, I feel like they should kill off Huey. Like, really? I think that's going to spur some character movement. Um, and what does Huey really do at this point? Like, season four, kill off Huey. That's what I'm going with. We don't need him. So, mm-hmm. season I four. I feel prediction. like he's kind of the main character, though, well, he other than is... Butcher. Okay, okay, well, that's what we all thought about with Game of Thrones. We're like, oh no, uh, Sean Bean's the main character, and then all of a sudden chop yeah. off his head, and we're like, oh, uh-oh. So, I I don't know. I mean, I know he's supposed to be. He's supposed to be, at some level, the audience view into this world, but I think where they've taken the character and how they've kind of, you know, I don't know, just not developed his character, where he's still back and forth, back and forth. Mm-hmm. Let him make some last-minute righteous moral decision uh, die. Let Homelander kill him. I should, yeah, Homelander, kill Huey. That's my prediction for the next season. I would be, just one more last question. Do you hope this show, would you rather see like a, a good, a positive ending or more of a negative ending? Because I don't see how this show could have a positive ending. I mean, I would think it has to end with. I kind of expect a neutral ending. Nobody gets what they want. I don't think it's going to be like a bad ending like, homelander destroys the the world kind of thing i think they're all just gonna like all these characters are all just gonna end up exactly where they don't want to be like some will be dead some will be exactly where they're at with no way to get out of it but ultimately the world's not going to care and the whole world's just going to keep on going i bet there'll be like another corporation doing something that's kind of you know superfluous to this i feel like that's kind of the way i view this show is like nothing these guys are doing is going to matter they're all going to end up in a bad spot and the world's just going to have to end with ryan kind of at the to- top of the totem pole i mean i think maybe uh maybe maybe not i mean i think i don't know ryan could go either way for me they could use him I'll, as a big I'll mcguffin honest, or they could I feel, like, I feel like ryan should die 
I feel like Ryan should die, and that should infuriate Butcher, and it should be something Homelander. Homelander does because of his ego, where he can't let one other, like, like I, I feel I, I agree with you. He has to have that that. Because I feel like you've said it before, but they're building up to him walking off the edge. Yeah, he's got to have that tipping over point. Um, so whether it be Ryan dying or somebody needs to just lose it. Kill mm-hmm. Huey, kill Ryan, kill somebody and just trigger somebody. And the show needs to then take that next step into whatever crazy arc that's going to be. But I don't think this show is going to end with the world being destroyed or anything weird. I also don't think it's going to be happy for anybody. It's never been what this show is about. So mm-hmm. I'm thinking just... Middle of the road, nobody ends up getting what they want. So maybe like one side character, I don't know. But we can move on. Yeah, I feel like it's time we move on to our final topic of the day. Um, something that I just just came out that me and Phoenix were actually able to go out and watch is um Dragon Ball Super Superhero. <laughs> so what a weird name. Yeah. But uh, I'll let you go first because I don't. I'm gonna. I'm just, I want to hear your thoughts first. I'm okay. nice. So I will preface this by saying I am more positive on Dragon Ball Super in general. I think than really you are. I know you haven't really watched much of it. You've seen like the movie portions of it a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and to be fair, like I did not like the majority of the first half of Super. The stuff that was you know wrapped up into those first few mo- movies, the Frieza stuff and the original Beerus stuff, I didn't care for any of that. Honestly, the stuff I really liked in Super was um, the Trunks, uh, Goku, Rose stuff. I don't know if you know anything about that story arc at all. That's mm-hmm. actually, it feels more like Dragon Ball Z. It's a lot darker. Um, and I thought that was a really solid arc. Um, and then they have like a tournament at the end of Super, which uh, no stakes. It was just a bunch of fight scenes. I didn't care about that. So really, I guess, honestly, there's about a third of super I actually really, really like, but it was good. So I took that positivity and tried to roll it over into this. I think also it's just, I haven't watched or been involved in any dragon ball related content in so long. And just, you know, I, I forgot this was even coming to theater. So I was like, eh, that seems like a fun thing. Go hang out in the theater, watch the DB, whatever on the screen. It'll be a good time. If you don't know my, I'm a huge dragon ball fan. It's my favorite anime. Mm. I have dragon ball, you know, covered the entire original show so far. So, I just wanted to throw that uh, that back. Best videos on the channel. If you haven't watched them, you need a quick summary on Dragon Ball, go check those out. Like and subscribe whenever it gets doing uh, Dragon Ball Z. Oh, you should start tomorrow. See? Better at Doing a better job. You. Better job of, uh, of advertising for me. I know. Um, anyway, so I came into this one to be really positive. Um, I don't even know why I was so positive. Because, honestly, when I think back to the last few Dragon it Ball wasn't movies... wasn't you. I probably wouldn't have watched it. I wasn't going to go out of my way, but you wanted to. So Yeah, well, it just seemed fun. And I think I I just wanted to have fun at the theaters. I hadn't been in a while. But um, mm-hmm. anyways, uh, when I really think back on it, though, I didn't care for the Broly movie that came out not too long ago. Um, People were super positive on it from what I've seen. and I They were. Was, I didn't. It was very middling. I think because I just didn't like the change they did with Broly he was a completely different character I mean and I think I had a hard time reconciling that for, to me like for what Broly was back in Z versus who Broly was and I, I looked it up too because I thought in this movie Broly sounded weird so but apparently that actor is like they removed him so oh, it was a different he's got he's some, having some stuff sort of going sexual on. misconduct yeah, stuff happening um, oh I don't remember his name allegations or yeah. something against him that's a whole other thing but um yeah. Anyways. I just thought he sounded weird when the movie. I'm like, that doesn't sound like Broly. I don't know. Yeah. But go ahead. So anyways, I wanted to come into this movie 
positive. Now, I haven't seen any footage of this, no trailers or nothing. I'd seen some stills. I'm like, okay, that's fine. That looks cool. I mean, I knew there were like, you know, Piccolo had a new transformation or something. Like, all right, that'll be, but whatever. Um, I did not realize it. And I immediately took a step back when I'm like, oh, this is all CG. I thought they were just you initially. Said that in the theater, you were like, is the whole movie going to be like this? And I was like, I think so. I know so. they've mixed it in the past. Like, that's a pretty common thing. Like, to cut on certain animation segments, especially like vehicles and stuff, it's pretty common for anime to do some CG for certain moments of it and kind of blend it with the 2D. And then when I saw the character models and saw that that was all CG, I was just like, what? So it took me a while to even try to acclimate to that. Um, I did not think it bowed. It bowed, boded, boded well, or bowed. It bodes well. So I didn't bode. Bode. That's a weird phrasing for it. Um, I did. I did not think it transitioned well into fighting. I thought it made the fight scenes look kind of bad, in my opinion, because yeah. Dragon Ball is all about speed and all that stuff, and it just looked. And we talked about that a little bit. It's. I'll tell you. So I will say this, like especially when I was able to kind of look and like mentally pause the movie at certain spots. The CG isn't bad, and in like still shots, it honestly looks like it's hand drawn. Like they did a really good job, I think, with the um, the outlines, the texturing of it. Like there are moments I think it actually looks pretty good. It's the moment to moment like slow movements, like the broad strokes. I think are fine, but when you're watching the characters like talk to each other or do something, it just feels a little off. It does not a bit uncanny. Feels a little uncanny because they do. Uh, it's hard to act like, you know, the 2D animation felt more real, but it did. This felt like video game characters talking. Not that they mm -hmm. were bad-looking video game characters, but it felt like a video game. And it, felt your... like an, it felt like a, a PS2 Budokai game. I won't say PS2. Like, honestly, I think, like, if PS3. I was... <laughs> honestly, if I was playing... Like, I didn't play the Dragon Ball Z Kakarot game, but, like, if I was playing a current-gen game and those are the graphics I had, I probably would have been pretty happy with it. Because uh, I don't think they were on their own bad. I just don't think they translated well into the action, like you were saying, of DBZ. Like, we were talking about it some. What gave Dragon Ball animation, especially in the fight scenes, that speed was the fact that they took shortcuts in their animation. Like, they wouldn't show every single frame of a character being punched at high speed. There would be mm -hmm. big jumps or, like, missing frames where there's characters here, characters here, characters here, zigzag lines everywhere. And I know that seems like a cheap cop-out when you think about it, but it added to the sense of speed of like this frenetic kind of tension that was taking place um, in the scene. When you have actual 3d models where you can easily animate every single frame of movement, those extra frames actually make it feel slower. At least that's how I kind of anticipated it. Now, and sometimes they did a really good job adding some extra like um, animated like motion blurs, or some of those like phasing kind of sequences. So it's not like they did a terrible job by any means. I just feel like something was lacking as opposed to the 2D animation that we're used to. Um, I wish they would have done like a, a like a mix between them, like we've seen in the past. I didn't like the straight CG, so that was a strike one for me. Honestly, all of the stuff you're talking about, I would have been able to forgive. But I'm gonna move on to my mm -hmm. least favorite part about this movie was the dialogue and the humor. Yeah, this was probably the the least entertained I've been buy a dragon ball movie in a long time i remember mentioning it to you in the theater i was like i think this is i think bio broly is worse but this is right there with like the bio broly that that's my least favorite dbz movie so yeah. this this movie's humor was so bad i don't remember laughing at any 
joke. Only all of the one stuff... for me. The um, the part where he was driving the ship and Pan was oh, like, why are you doing Piccolo? so Because that, at least for me, was a callback to Z. Because they were talking about mm-hmm. how Piccolo couldn't drive. He's like, well, I never got my license. And that's true. In the DBZ little side episode where he was learning how to drive, he never got his license. So I thought that was cute. Oh, there was another joke. Uh, they're the henchman of the Red Ribbon guy. When he's driving in the car, he has like a rounded out space in the in the rooftop for oh, his hair. Man. I saw that and I was like, huh. Yeah, <laughs> but that was also just kind of like goofy. What I don't know. No, I agree with you overall about the humor. It was extremely corny. I I actually thought it was kind of cringy at some points. Yeah. The whole the whole Beerus like fawning over the one character that I'd never heard of. I was like to be fair, like Japanese Dragon Ball, if you go back to like original Dragon Ball, you've got some weird pervy interactions like Roshi and Bulma. There's some weird interactions there in original Japanese Dragon Ball. There's some in DBZ. The American well, version, they remove a lot of it, but. Well, it just it felt more on brand back then, I guess, because that that anime was the, the, the time for me when it was made like this being made in 2022 everybody's a little more pc and everyone's this... a little more pc and and i'll be honest it, it just it, it felt it uncomfortable like... to me um i didn't like yeah. it it feels it feels like nowadays this dragon ball not anime but dragon ball is it feels very tailored towards a large demographic now mm-hmm. i feel like that's part of the reason why that's part of the reason you could attribute that to any other ip but like i feel like that's why Dragon Ball and Super were, or Dragon Ball and Z were so great. It's just, I don't know. It, maybe it feels like, cause you know, it's like a, it's like a startup, a, a startup thing, you know, who's it, it's artistically free and it just, I don't maybe, know. Maybe, um, I don't know. I mean, it's hard for me to kind of even draw a comparison to, um, I don't know. I mean, <sighs> it's tough. It's tough to put my finger on. I just, I just felt, I know what you're saying. Um, and I guess my thing is I'm not sure exactly why Super it does hit the tone that it does right now because it didn't it doesn't throughout the entire show too. This feels almost like a different Super to me too. Like I hate to yeah, almost and now to be fair, Super does have some moments like this. Like there are some tones where you know Super does not feel like Z the whole time. Um, the parts I like about Super usually lean towards more Z feeling stuff, but. This movie felt like the worst parts of Super to me. Like, all kind of shoved into one thing. So it was like they're doubling down on the stuff that I'm not a big fan of. They had, like, weird fourth wall breaks, which seemed out of place for Dragon Ball. Yeah, um, crazy. But Piccolo, like, I think he looked at the screen and said something to the us at one point, And I was like... Yeah. Unless I, we misinterpreted that. It felt like a fourth wall break. Um, but yeah, the writing, dialogue... Like, uh, it's hard to say if it was... Uh, is, I don't know if I want to say it was bad because I'd almost have to go back. I don't want to act like all the dialogue in DBZ was great because there was plenty of cheesy stuff in DBZ. But I know because I went back and rewatched some episodes not too long ago, and I was like, oh, "That's a little cringy. That's a little whatever." But you know, we watched it a different time. It was a different time. We have nostalgia kind of wrapped up into it, so we interpret that differently. Here, it feels worse, but I'm not sure if that's because I don't have the nostalgia kind of painting over this particular dragon ball incarnation the way i do with z so i don't know i'm, I'm hesitant to really draw a comparison saying this is bad dragon ball writing or bad dragon ball dialogue it might be but i'm not saying we haven't had anything just as I bad before think that's a fair comparison comparing it to old dragon ball i mean 
I think if you compare this to like writing on My Hero Academia, I feel like yeah, but I wouldn't better writing and more entertaining, and there's actual jokes in there, and that's more modern. I but those two animes are so different from one another. Like they're different. Like I mean, that's probably unpopular opinion, but I think a lot of the writing My Hero could be better than some of the stuff in Dragon Ball. Dragon Ball comes across pretty contrived. It's all about getting to the fight. well, that's fair. I mean, I'm not going to argue against that. Uh, I guess that's what I'm trying to get at is Dragon Ball Z, Z particularly, Dragon Ball, you could argue a little differently. Z has always been about building to the next fight. Now, they've done a Dra- better Old job. Dragon Ball is definitely more reliant on the narrative. Like, the narrative does mean a bit more. I, I'll agree with yeah. you. Z, less so. It was about getting to these big powerhouse moments for a new transformation, new whatever. Not that they didn't have story arcs and what on between. Some of them were really solid, but um, I think that was the main kind of push. This, I don't know. that the In general, if I'm not comparing, I didn't like the writing. It. I will agree with that. In this new movie, writing was meh. Um, the plot, I didn't think was all that engaging. For the first, like, three quarters of the movie i didn't care about where we were getting at it just felt a little forced um i remember saying it in the theater man the only parts about this movie that i get a rise out of was all of the opening stuff that showed like modern renditions of some of the events that happened in dragon ball and mm -hmm. dragon ball z that was the only stuff where i was like yeah Yeah." they were showing like some of the stuff that happened between goku and red ribbon and all that stuff that was so cool and I think um, the whole time, what kind of kept me trying to stay positive was I knew that there was a uh, new cell that was popping up. He was like, that was like the big bad. I'm like, okay, you know, I could let go of most of this trash writing, most of this bad CG, if we get a cool cell, um, you know, reincarnation at the end of it. Because once again, a lot of other stories in Dragon Ball, the writing's been meh, but you get to the cool fight. And I would have been okay with that. This about, we got a we got a big kaiju battle at the end of your Dragon Ball movie. You didn't like that? This was the worst route they could have taken Cell. Like when you think about Cell as a villain, he is one of the more calculating, intelligent enemy. Very charismatic. Very charismatic. Very charismatic. He's very narcissistic. Like there's a lot of personality and character to Cell. The Cell they brought here is literally just a giant monster. He never says a word. He just yells and grunts the entire time. There is no strategy to his actions, no motivation to it. He's just this big powerhouse thing. And it's just the most wasted, wasted character. Like, why make him sell? Make him anything else. And I probably mm. wouldn't have cared nearly as much. Um, really, that's almost more how I would have expected, like, a Broly. Like, you know, just a roided-out yeah. rage oh, yeah. Broly. Like, that could have made more sense. But this was just a giant red cell. Um, and not even necessarily a better version of him because this one had built-in weakness. Um, yeah, I don't know. It he that's felt why like his name is. We said in the movie that's why his name is Cell is because if you don't eliminate him down to the very last cell, he can regenerate. That's what makes him. That's what makes him so powerful. Yeah. And another reason why that makes him so powerful in Dragon Ball Z is because he has the the anatomy of a, of a Saiyan. Every time a Saiyan is brought to near death or is beaten down badly. Yeah. When he regenerates, he becomes stronger. That's why Cell was so hard to defeat. Is because every time they'd almost eliminate him, he'd come back even more powerful. And this was this like one just had said, a built-in off switch in him. So yeah, it was um, very disappointing. And another thing that like that could be very intriguing about bringing back a Cell character, especially with this whole movie revolving around Gohan becoming mm-hmm. 
uh, becoming what he was before, taking back the mantle of, of being the world's strongest or the, you know, the hero of Earth, right. is they wasted that whole possible interaction that you could have had of Cell. Like, that's part of the intrigue is seeing Cell. Like, Cell would have um, wanted to have revenge on Gohan. Yeah, that could have been this whole yeah. thing. I know this was like a new Cell, but they could have found a way to, like, have built him from old Cell data where you had the memories mm-hmm. or something. I mean, they can contrive whatever they, they want. Done whatever they want. Yeah. yeah. It was a lot of missed potential. It was all about just they wanted to show off some new transformations for Piccolo and Gohan, but they didn't feel earned. They didn't feel necessary. It just, I don't know, very wasted. Um, yeah. did you care about the two new Android superhero brothers? Nope. Yeah. They felt, I don't know. They felt the same. I mean, I guess they did have different personalities, but when we make two things look identical, it's a little hard. Um, I thought they were, their arcs were very bad. The whole, um, the whole aspect of them not realizing they're the bad guys when throughout the thing, they know they're capturing, a little girl and they know their their whole plan is all world domination type stuff and they never realize they're on the bad side the whole time it's like yeah it's just convenience for convenience sake they need to have these conflicts so i mean granted plenty of movies and shows do that like they don't give characters a chance to talk about what's really happening because if they took five seconds and talked instead of punch each other the whole movie would be over um but I do find it interesting that they do get to that point. Like, while they're ta- uh, fighting, they do get to a resolution. So, really, there was no conflict up until the very last moment with Cell being brought back. Um, I don't know. The movie just felt like a waste. Uh, and even at the very end, when Cell was there and there was the threat that he'd you know, go crazy and destroy everything, there didn't really ever feel like a lot of tension there. Like, I remember back in the original shows when, like, they were at the most dire moment, like either at the end of the Cell Saga or end of Boo or whatever. People were seriously concerned that, okay, this is the end and the whole world's going to get destroyed or whatever. But in this, you got Bulma cracking jokes at the end of Krillin, like while giant red cells, you know, beating Gohan to the ground, holding Piccolo's semi dead body above his head. It's just, I don't know. That's one thing I feel like Super's done a bad job with in general, barring a couple of arcs. There's no tension to like anything. And maybe it's just because we're all at this point with Dragon Ball that we're like, we know they're not going to kill off main characters. We know it doesn't really matter. There's always a way to bring the earth back. So maybe tension's kind of a lost, I don't know, feeling in these um, types of movies or shows, but really didn't feel it here. I mean, I guess if there is like a, a thing to kind of like think back on is I'm kind of looking, but um, to be fair, all of the Dragon Ball Z movies, even though I have a lot of nostalgia for them, not necessarily all of them were great. Mm, yeah. um, I'd say maybe half to 60% of them were really good in my opinion. But, you know, they all can't be they all can't be uh, uh, the world's strongest or Dead Zones or Tree of Might. Those are some of my favorites. Lord Slugs. I mean, you do have um, oh, you do have Broly. I remember Broly or Bio Broly more in particular was the one I don't remember liking. Um shoot any other i'm seeing in here i didn't really care for fusion reborn wrath of the dragon some of the latter ones in my opinion weren't that great but i mean they're not a they lot weren't of the all movies bangers. have always had an issue because they have to quickly you know introduce a brand new enemy and build a conflict yeah. it can never be anything that's going to have a major impact because it doesn't ever canonically tie back into the show um or at least i don't know if canonically is the right word. i don't feel like were they canonical i don't think they were i feel like they were off shoot 
even if they were, they couldn't ever have impact think, on the major storyline. I think all of them were offshoots, yes. Yeah. I don't remember any of them really tying into anything. So that makes it tricky, but back then you watched the movies for different reasons, too. Like, you watched them for those just awesome kind of fantasy fight moments that you would get. And I feel like they did a better job of realizing that. I think because the fight scenes and I'll be honest, the fight scenes in this movie didn't do it for me. Maybe it was the animation style. Maybe it was just how the fights were choreographed in it. I don't know, but... I don't know. Nothing about this really checked off the boxes I wanted it to check off. Um, even the transformations, I didn't care about. Did you? Did mm -hmm. you like giant orange Piccolo? Mm -mm, not really. What about super gray-haired Gohan? He's fine. Uh, but I feel like they like um, that version of Gohan felt really similar to. I, I know you haven't watched Super here, but like, was it Ultra Instinct Goku they did towards the end of the Super arc? Kind of just felt like that. So it's like, yeah. they're, I think they're having a hard time figuring out where to go now. I mean, that's, I think, the issue you run into with any of this Dragon Ball stuff. You have the power creep, and how do you, you know, gauge power levels and show one thing greater than another? It's, uh... I definitely think a lot of the artistic decisions is a lot of the turnoff for Super. For me, like you said, I don't really like some of the new evolutions. I, I don't like the naming of a lot of the new levels. Um they're running uh, out of just it, places to go i think is part of it we, we mentioned it i mentioned it in the movie part of my my part of the reason why i loved dragon ball and dragon ball z so much is yes i admit it even towards the end they, they began to lose it but for the longest time in those shows you could there was like a given uh like level set that you could actually like keep track of how powerful characters yeah. were becoming um that was <clears throat> That was done through a lot of the scouter-based stuff. And then I'd say towards the latter end of the Cell Saga, you began to kind of lose power levels. Definitely when you got to Majin Buu, people were so so much higher than you could calculate. But, like, it, I don't know. I, I always kind of enjoyed that fact that you could kind of follow and, like, compare. Well, it happened, and, too, at a certain point. And I know a lot of this happened in Super, but power levels didn't necessarily like because they achieved a new like transformation it wasn't that that transformation was stronger necessarily than something else like they had like think from like different modes almost and each mode has its own benefit like they had you know, different like god modes uh, later mm -hmm. on but it was a thing like well you couldn't go into god mode for very long so it wasn't worth using or it only did this and that so it became less about power levels and knowing like which weapon to use at a certain fight and I don't know, that became hard to keep track of, at least for me, like knowing what each thing meant, when you they should have this power level over another, and I don't know. And I will say, for anyone who, like me, kind of avoided Super, Phoenix said it in the theater, but don't let this be a representation, I guess, of Super, because... I don't think, yeah. This was... This was a very bad effort, in my opinion. Like, like if this, if, if this was an accurate representation, I never would go watch Super, but... Here's the thing. It's not like... So Super does... Some of the tropes in here that you may not like are in Super. But I feel like this is all the bad tropes shoved into one thing. Super has some cool stuff in it. Um, I personally, if you've watched nothing else in Super, I recommend the Trunks arc. Uh, it feels very much like the future Trunks stuff from back in Z. Um, and it's got some dark you know, atmosphere to it. So if you're into that style, that one felt the most like Dragon Ball Z to me. That... That reminds me so much of GT. Like, I know a lot of people don't talk about GT, but, like, GT was like that for me as well, where, like, 
for the most part, most of it wasn't great. Mm-hmm. But there was the one arc where I'm like, the whole baby saga with Vegeta. Mm-hmm. That was a great arc, in my opinion. Um, like, once they started getting into a lot of the, the Shenrons and stuff, that was, like, way past me. But, like, you know, GT, in my opinion, if you guys haven't seen, which I don't think many people have gone out of their way to watch GT, but... I don't know. Maybe supers like that. Would you say was there only like really one major arc where you're like that was worth watching? Yeah, there's fluff in there too, and there's stuff you're not gonna like. Um, I think what makes super hard too is because the first like half of the entire show is a retelling of those two movies. The was it Resurrection yeah. of F and um Broly. the not Broly um the God one where Beerus was introduced. Um, yeah, that's a Battle of the Gods. Um, they add more to it and they actually change some things about it, but. I had a hard time going back and rewatching those after watching the movie because the big story beats are the same. So um, honestly, I'd say watch the movies, skip watching the show up to that, and then just watch the trunk stuff. <coughs> no, <laughs> I mean, I'm trying to think of anything else I have to say, man. This movie was so kind of... It's crazy to think. I was very, very down on it. I was, I was kind of cringing at certain points during. I wouldn't the movie. waste your money to go see this in theater. It's not worth. I mean, you know, theaters are expensive. That was what we we're kind of mentioning at uh, the top of this podcast. Is movies are costly. That's why they're going down. And I don't think this is a good reason necessarily to go out. I mean, if you okay, I think it was like thirty bucks for me to watch this movie. If I, I think the only way I think this might be worth it is if you have a lot of friends who all just love Dragon Ball, and you can yeah, go yeah. there and. I don't know, you split a popcorn so it's not, you know, draining your wallet too much. Or see it at a theater that maybe is like a matinee. There's fun to be had here if you really gauge your expectations. If all you care about is just, I want to see some Dragon Ball, hang out with friends, sure. But if you want to watch this for a quality Dragon Ball story, wait till it shows up on Crunchyroll. Um, mm-hmm. Watch it there. This reminded me a lot of uh, the, the first um, Michael Bay Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle movie, where mm-hmm. we all watched it as a group, like, six or seven of us and i walked away super happy because we all hung out but then when i thought about yeah. the movie i was like that wasn't very good yeah like anything's better with friends i mean if you can make a th- event out of it you go hang out sure it's gonna be a good time that does not make it a good movie um that was i think our issue with uh, love and thunder like i had a good time watching it um it was a terrible movie though i hated the movie uh mm-hmm. so same kind of thing here. Uh, don't waste, you know, 30, 40 bucks to get a big popcorn, giant drink, best seats in the house kind of thing. Save your money if you can, or at least see your matinee. Don't help. Don't help Regal. They'll be fine. They don't need your money. Well, <laughs> some of these theaters do <laughs> if you want to have it. Yeah. Uh, part of me is like, okay, support your theater, but kind of like back to what I was saying earlier, it's not going to matter. <laughs> like, they're, they're going down, so... Yeah. All right, guys. Well, that was Dragon Ball Super Superhero. Um, I guess looking forward, what do we got for the next episode? Uh, the one good thing about this week is I remember saying last week, hopefully this next week would have more news. I feel like this week had quite a bit. Um, I'm very curious to see what next week looks like. Um, so what do we got? Uh, I'm currently playing a game I should be done with. Uh, I'll talk about that on the next one. Uh, what do we got? I don't have a TV show or nothing, really. We'll find out. Um, Maybe we'll skip a week, and you guys don't have to listen to us. Yay! No nonsense. We, you're getting paid good money to show up here, so. Oh yeah, yeah. Pull me out of your basement. So, so what did you want? You did you would you want to talk about Wandavision? If I tried to go out of my way to watch it. If you watch it, yeah. Um, I recall that show well enough. I think we can chat about it for a bit. Um, that one or Loki. Um, 
I I'm watching Doctor Strange. I'm a little bit more intrigued by some of the Marvel stuff, but only like the couple main shows. You know, I don't want. I'm not gonna. Yeah, WandaVision's not long. You can run through that pretty quick. So I'd be down to chat about that one. I'm not gonna watch She-Hulk. I, if I'm gonna watch a real attorney at law, I'm gonna go watch Harvey. Birdman I or something. I think I will probably try to watch the first episode. Just I'm so curious. Like I don't think I'm gonna enjoy it, but. Uh, I mean, critics have been all over the place on it. A lot of them are very favorable. Some are tearing I saw a it. lot of people saying it's a good sitcom. And it's my, one of those things you have to just gauge your expectations accordingly and maybe not try to be super critical, but I think that's hard nowadays, uh, especially with MCU stuff. Like, we've been trained to want to tear it apart. But, yeah. um, I mean, the trailers I've seen have not been overly exciting. Um, the CG does not look great. Uh, I don't know, but... Maybe I'll watch that first episode, but watch WandaVision. We can chat about that. If I get a chance to watch She-Hulk the first episode, I'll let you know. Cool. Yeah, and uh, yeah, any other news that pops up, guys, we will definitely look forward to that. Do you have any game or anything you have on the back burner for this week? Uh, no, you've. Um, I've been sucked back into Returnal, man. Um, since I started playing it with you, I, I've honestly been going back to that tower more for Ascension. I've been enjoying that a lot more now that I'm kind of spending some time with it. Um, so, yeah. I'm... I did the house section, so now you can help me. I'll get those fragments. Further on, get those fragments. So right. I did that. It didn't take me long. It took me maybe half an hour. Yeah, that game more. Every time I play it, it becomes more and more favorable towards me. Like I, it's probably gonna be one of my favorite games. Just a period. It was so I've good. Played. It makes me want to keep playing it, and also it makes me want to go back to Hades as well. Yeah, I mean both those games are so solid, and both have a lot of replayability to them. So if you haven't played either, I know we've talked about Abnausium at, uh, at this point, but if you haven't, check them out. They're both great. Yeah, both uh, both definitely prime games of this generation, I would say. Higher tier, in my opinion. But, uh, yeah, so I guess we've done it all, guys. Um, I guess, as always, what do we say? We say thank you so much. We love you. Uh, Phoenix is going to go... Where, where, where is he going to go back down to the basement? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I need to mop up. It's a little too damp in there. <laughs> all right, guys, well, we love you. We appreciate you. Um, and thank you so much. We will see you on the next next week. So keep an eye out. Uh, Adios, guys. Uh,